Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Fengloff coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, don't mind me. I'm just writing notes and scribbling and having fun and uh, just uh, watching the last little bit of One American News talking about the Chicago Auto Show. And I'm struck once again by how boring American cars are. Well, actually boring how cars are in general. Um, one of the first acts that I ever wrote here at Action Radio was the Creative Car Act. And the whole purpose of that was to make cars interesting again because they're deadly boring dull. Nobody, I mean, you, you go to a car show because they're new uh, and you see the latest things that are out there. But quite frankly, the biggest car shows in the country are the ones that have classic cars, that have muscle cars, that have basically pre-1972 American cars that were interesting. You know, they change uh, something about the model every year. They have a new grill or they have a new something. Um, nowadays, cars, you know, they go like five, six, seven years before they actually make a, a fundamental change, which actually makes a lot of sense um, because there's so much that goes into designing them now. But the biggest problem is government. <laughs> I mean, the biggest problem with everything is government. So you've got the government in, infused in the entire automaking process, and you look at every car, they all look the same. You know, you've got the uh, you've got the the, the compact you know bull. You've got the the sedan you know sloping half watermelon shape. You've got your your slightly larger SUV egg. <laughs> you've got your pickup truck. You know, you've got three sizes of pickup truck that basically look the same, uh, except the headlights are too high. That's something we have to we have to uh, write a bill on here at Action Radio is lowering the headlights um, because you've got buses and trucks and major vehicles. They all have their headlights down low, but for some reason pickup trucks. They, uh, they, keep, they think they're cars, and they can put their headlights, you know, where the car headlights are. No. As Wendy would say, no, you can't. You've got to lower them back down again because they're blinding people. I'm sure they're causing accidents, but we'll deal with that later. Um, and they're too bright also. <laughs> Those headlights are really bright. Um, but uh, as far as things go, and then I guess you've got, uh, you know, the, the, the big trucks and things. I'm not really talking about them, but uh, as far as personal vehicles go, they're dull. And they really are dull. I mean, you know, I've, I've got a sort of a... Uh, if Action Radio ever, well, excuse me, when it launches into the stratosphere here, I've got a few cars that I want. You know, Jaguar XKE, uh, 61 Corvette, uh, a 67 Pontiac Firebird, and I think there's a BMW from uh, from the, the, the 70s, the 2000 CSI. It's a beautiful two-door coupe with a really nice grille and, and the you know, the headlights kind of poking out a little bit, a spectacular car. Uh, and I think maybe a couple of others. I mean, yeah, I'd like to rent a Bugatti for the day, but I, I can't see owning one. Oh, and uh, Tom Selleck's Ferrari, the 308 GTI or GT. So I want to get, uh, you know, my, my sort of entry-level Ferrari. I don't need the, 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 the three dollars $400,000 model. But the point is the cars are boring. And if cars are boring, your life is boring. You know, it, it, everything's boring. Your house is boring. Your cars are boring. You know, the, going to work is boring. A lot of people stay at home and hope your home is exciting. But if not, you know, life is boring. The, the biggest problem with uh, communism, just to segue here as I am, the biggest problem with communism that I found when I went to, and I was thinking about this this morning, um, I'll be talking to a friend of mine after the show, which is going to be really cool. We haven't talked since high school, so this is going to be great. We're going to do a little Zoom meet. But uh, after college, uh, I spent three months bumming around Europe. And it was fabulous. I mean, I went everywhere, every church, every museum. But I also met the people. I hung out in the pubs and the cafes and, you know, and then the art places. And, uh, you know, I, I'd, sit, I'd sit by painters on the Seine, you know, in, in, in Paris, you know, climb the Eiffel Tower. You know, I went everywhere and across the Berlin Wall. And so going through Checkpoint Charlie, crossing the Berlin Wall, I talked about this on the show. 
um, several times because it, it was such, you know, it's amazing. Your, your life, you, you have, you know, months and months and years and years of, oh, okay, fine. And then there's like several days where, you know, your entire life changes. This, this was one of those days. So I crossed the Berlin Wall. I uh, went through Checkpoint Charlie. This is early in the morning. I, I got back. I've told the story before, so I'll, I'll save it for another time. But I got back about 10 minutes before curfew. <laughs> so I, I almost single-handedly caused an international incident. That was not one of my brightest moments, but it sure was exciting. Big East German, well, I'll tell you, big East German guard, you know, bad breath, bald head, AK-47 in my face, the whole bit. Uh, it was exciting. This is why I learned what communism looked like. But what was so fascinating about communism, uh, and I, I don't say, you know, socialism or national socialism, this is communism. It's communist East Germany. Uh, was how boring it was. And this is how they kill people with boredom. And this is what's happening in this country. You're afraid to say anything. You're afraid to do anything. You're afraid to be exciting. You're afraid to drive a car that's better than somebody else. They might be offended. So they all look the same. You know, they keep saying that people look different, but in reality, you know, people look the same. Oh, yeah, different skin colors, heights, and things like that. But you look, you look on people's faces, and it's pretty much the same because life is boring. So you've got to get some excitement in your life. You've got to have adventure. I mean, you know, I talk to young people all the time, uh, which is interesting. I have a part-time job with a lot of young people, you know, one day a week. And it's fascinating, the, the lack of adventure. It's actually scary, the lack of adventure. I mean, I'm like, you know, what'd you do that was adventurous? Oh, nothing. I mean, come on, you got to have dreams. You got to have goals. You got to, you know, where, where's the age of discovery? Where's the, the next great pioneering effort? You know, and I finally found an opportunity where I could be a pioneer here on Action Radio, doing things that nobody has ever done before, at least as far as I know. I mean, it could be wrong. I don't think so. Because um, I didn't think we had, we had this technology before. So you combine social media, the internet, um, a complete Marxist oppression of this country, a stolen election, uh, absolute uh, oppression, suppression of everything that anybody wants to do or say. I mean, art, music, you know, it's all regulated. Now you've got devil worshippers, you know, in the Grammys. Um, it's a very strange place for in a very strange time. And those of us that are old enough to remember what freedom looked like, you know, let's compare it now to the 80s. <laughs> you know, in the 80s, guys wore spandex and makeup, but we made fun of them. In the 80s, we had the Rocky Horror Picture Show where the theme song was a sweet transvestite. And that was funny. You know, Tim Curry dressing in, in pantyhose and weird makeup and stuff like that. We laughed at him. If you laughed at that today, somebody would take offense. Oh, you can't laugh at that person. They're just expressing their... But no, it's an act. It's a joke. <laughs> okay? But we knew it was a joke back in the 80s. Today, they don't. The kids today have no clue. They have no idea how fun life used to be. And so we, it's up to us to tell them. So this is why I do a lot of work with younger folks. Uh, on the radio, we've got a 16-year-old reporter. Uh, Brianna's on Tuesdays. I love talking to her simply because... You know, I want to see if I can, you know, break through the oppression that's going on right now and, and tell people that there is fun out there. You know, fly airplanes, sail boats, race things, you know, play wild music. I'm still playing rock and roll. I'm 63 years old, and I still rock out to guitar almost every night. You know, it's great. I'm getting better. I've, I've never played so well as I'm playing right now. You know, no, thank God, no arthritis, no, no, nothing like that. I just rock and it's fun. And I still have my hearing. Fortunately, I, I, I've, I've set the volumes, you know, just below where, where it's going to cause me a problem. Not much, but just enough that I can do that. But life is exciting. That's, that's part of the fun. You know, I can't wait to fly jets. You know, like I say, again, this is part of the part of the fun of action radio is going to be uh, doing what uh, all good free market people do, which is make a decent profit and enjoy myself. I mean, I want to fly every World War II airplane that was ever made. Well, maybe not all of them. It'd be hard to find a Stuka <laughs> these days. But I mean, if I could, I would. You know, if I mean, if I would, I could, yeah, something like that. Yeah, if it was out there. Certainly all the American planes. I want to fly, I want to fly in a Mustang. I want to fly in a, in a P-40, you know, flying Tiger Kitty Hawk. I want to fly, you know, I was actually in a, the back of a B-25 Mitchell bomber. 
you know, my, my boss back at WBY, one of the first things he did was uh, uh, offered me a chance to go out to, to the airport. He was trying to get me in the B-17, but uh, that was full. So I got in the B-25, and, of course, the only spot left was the tail gunner's position, right? So I got to fly backwards. <laughs> my first time in a World War II airplane, I'm flying backwards, right? It was great. And, you know, it was a fabulous adventure. Anyway, um, but the point is that life is adventurous, and I think we've lost that spirit. Uh, it's, it's really terrible, uh, and it's, it's, it's most evidence in the cars. You know, if you look at cars in the 50s, 57 Chevy had color. The reds were red. The greens were green. The yellows were yellow. The whites were white. And the blues were blue. Now they're kind of like shades of, of, of beige. <laughs> you know, you've got a darker beige, a lighter beige. You know, it's like that old joke about, you know, uh, uh, what does a wife say? You know, should I tell this one? You know, beige. I think I'll paint the ceiling beige. I'm sorry. It's, it's the punchline. I'll, I'll give you the, the whole joke sometime. But the point being, don't make your life beige. Okay, the world is not beige. Uh, the world has color, has excitement, has all kinds of things. And the car show just proved to me once again, especially as we move to uh, mono energy. Uh, and mono energy is what I call this, this push to make everything electric. You know, where's the diversity? <laughs> I want diversity of power. I want, you know, propane and natural gas, which is methane. Um, the organic fuels, not, not the, uh, you got to get away from the term fossil fuel. That's designed to make it look bad. It's like capitalism. You never hear me see capitalism. I always say free market. There's a reason for that. The reason is because capitalism is a term that Marx came up with to make, make capital, make property, make, uh, make private property look bad. So I don't say capitalism. It's free market. Well, the difference is capitalism, anything that's an ism is usually bad. Raceism, sexism, all the isms are bad. So if you say capitalism, that implies that capital somehow is bad, but it's not. Without capital, without profit, most of the things you have wouldn't exist. People do things because they get something out of it. I do action radio for two reasons. One, the greatest freedom for the greatest number worldwide. And two, I want a jet. Okay, I mean, I'm perfectly, you know, straightforward about this. All right, I always wanted to fly jets. I couldn't join the Air Force. I, you know, the airlines didn't work out and, you know, I'm still alive and breathing. So, you know, I'm still trying. But that's what life's all about. And if you miss that, if you miss this opportunity to do things, I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're 90 years old, go skydiving. You know, what, what, what do you got to lose? <laughs> you're 90 years old. You made it this far. You know, go skydiving. And so we live in a world where people are giving up. And a friend of mine, uh, Tina, who's uh, one of my all-time favorite guests and, and uh, a great personal friend, sent me an article. We'll start with that because this is really depressing. So I'll start with depressing. Then I'll give you, I'll give you my article, which is kind of different too. Um, but uh, oh, I have to find it. I have so many articles here. And I, I forgot where I put stuff. That's my problem. Don't forget where you put stuff. All right, so that, that's a, here we go. That's not there. Uh, I did this. You know, starting the show off, and I was like trying to arrange my articles, but you know what happens? Because I got too many articles. There's too many from last week that I didn't get to, so now I'm all upset. All right, let's see if I can find it. My article that I just came out with Saturday, I wrote this. I wrote well, I started Friday night, finished it Saturday morning. Called the Nation of Government, and the Nation of Government is is um, how I look at Washington D.C. now, and I've, I've been wanting to write this article for months. And I looked at Washington, D.C., and I'm thinking to myself, this is very much like a country. It's its own country. And, yeah, and they're behaving that way. They're isolated from the United States, from, from us, we the people. All right? And they're so isolated, it's like their own nation. So I, so I called it the nation of government. You know, if government was its own country, what would it look like? And it would look like Washington, D.C. So I'll get to that in a bit. Let me see if I can. Uh... All right, here we go. Let's get the two articles that um, well, there's one article that was sent. And, of course, there's a spinoff from that. So let's start with the bad news, and that will give you even really bad news. But the good news is that we have a way out of it. Okay, I'll get to that before the end of the hour so you don't get all depressed walking into your week. I think um, 
not only is the sense of adventure gone, the sense of, of crusading is gone too. What happened to the 60s? You know, I was a little too young for the 60s, just a bit, like about five years, you know, so I was still elementary school when it was like, peace, love, brotherhood, man. But the, the best thing that came out of the 60s was questioning authority. Well, the problem now is the 60s people, the boomers, are, are, are the authority, <laughs> you know, and some of the younger, I guess, millennials are next. They're the authority too. And they're, you know, I hate the expression woke because it implies they actually know something as opposed to being, uh, we, we need a better word for woke. So let's, you know, I'm kind of like the wordsmith here. So what would you call, what would you call people that are so ideologically obsessed and have such blinders on that they think they're doing the right thing, but in actual fact, they're, the, the ignorance is staggering. So I don't I'll, I'll think about it. I have to work on it because I need something short. Woke is very short. See, that, that's like, it's like the term gun control. Whoever thought that was brilliant because it, it's, it, it's not what it says. It's, it's actually rights oppression. But rights oppression, you know, is too long. So they came up with gun control. So I need a good word to, to make woke look like, a, well, they say woke is broke, woke is a joke. But yeah, I need, I'll, I'll think of something. If you have a good idea, let me know too. We also have the, uh, the live link. So anybody that wants to type in on our live chat, just get an account. It's free. Uh, just sign in. They just want to know who's signing in. So we don't get, you know, weird threats and things like that. So uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll delete those comments too, of course. Uh, but for the most part, people have been pretty good. You know, the, the leftists who used to call my show, you know, like the one who called me a racist and uh, which was funny because, you know, um, not to say, you know, some of my best friends are black, but, uh, you know, we had Pianchi on and we had Josie on. Josie's Hispanic, Pianchi's black, and I was the only white guy on the show. And then calls in calls me a racist. I mean, it was funny. It, it was. You had, you know, you got to laugh at this stuff. Then I had a leftist caller who called for a long time until I defeated all her arguments and made her look totally stupid. And then she's just started repeating herself. So I said, OK, I'm done. Obviously, you can't hear. <laughs> you can speak, but you can't hear. And because you can't hear, because you're not listening, you're not engaging with me, I have no use for you anymore, so leave. And that was that. But I welcome liberal callers. I really like to have some because a liberal caller, a decent liberal who still believes in the freedom of this country, who believes in the Constitution, believes in the Bill of Rights, but has some different solutions, usually involving you know money, <laughs> mine and yours, uh, I can talk to those folks many times. I'd love to have a, a, I wish I had like a liberal report. So if there's a liberal reporter out there and you want to, uh, you know, engage with me and, and call the show on a regular basis, I'll, I got a, I got a spot for you, half an hour, maybe an hour, depending on how much uh, we talk about. But it's got to be a liberal, not a Marxist. I mean, I have, I'm not going to have Marxists on my show. People that, uh, you know, that uh, especially if you're going to, you know, bash me with with theories like climate change or or say the election wasn't stolen or say that the vaccine is safe and effective or any of the other lies that are out there now, I have no use for you because those are obviously untrue. You know, or that Brandon could beat uh, Trump in a fair, a free and fair election. Oh, please give me a break. He lost his elections when he was smart, <laughs> you know, when he still had all his faculties. The fact that America would vote for a complete moron who was one of the worst candidates ever, the worst politicians ever in terms of knowledge and always making the wrong deci- uh, decisions on the wrong side of everything would suddenly be popular from a president who gave us a dollar eighty-five gasoline, a great foreign policy, kept missiles from being launched in North Korea, kept Putin from invading Ukraine, kept the illegal aliens from crossing in, in vast numbers because he was building a wall, you know, had massive jobs, you know, punished China with tariffs to make a level playing field, you know, all the other things that Trump did, you know, opening up Saudi Arabia, Abraham Accords, everything he did, right? Didn't have a war, you know, would have gotten out of Afghanistan, you know, properly rather than surrendering. To think that he would lose to some, you know, brain uh, honestly, I mean, he's had two aneurysms. I mean, you know, Brandon does have serious health problems. He was he was never capable of being president, right? To think that that Brandon, from his basement, 
with eight people at a rally that were paid to be there could be Donald Trump in a free and fair election? That's intellectually impossible. You know, so the only two people who think that are, A, those who are lying because they know that Trump beat Brandon, uh, or B, are just so hopelessly ignorant that they have no concept of, of reality, in which case I don't need to talk to them. So this article, um, Tina brought me this one. It says, existentially, America is almost at the end of the line. It's by Molly Slag. Who's Molly Slag? S-L-A-G. Written February 11th, so two days ago. This being February 13th. It's Monday, not Friday, so that's good. Uh, although, you know, my last Friday the 13th was great. It was the one a few years ago I got kicked uh, out of my radio show, but that's another story. So Molly says, looking at the American political and cultural scene, let us contemplate what I call quintessential existential interrogatories. I, I should stop right there. That's brilliant. I have no idea what it means. Quintessential existential interrogatories. One, where are we? Two, how did we get here? Three, where are we going? And of course, I would add four, what about Action Radio? But we'll save that for now. She says, many know a slight variant of these questions from Paul Gauguin's famous painting of the same name. How do you get those things from a painting? I don't know. This is where do we come from? Who are we? Where are we going? Because I have to look up Gauguin's painting now. And Well, let's do it right now. I got a button. I got a mouse. Let's see what Gauguin's famous painting looks like. You know, I prep, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, I read these things. because I like reading fresh on the air because it makes it more interesting, I think. Wiki art. <laughs> of course. They bring me to wiki art. Oh, there it is. This is Gauguin's painting. You should see it for yourself. It's called Where Do We Come From? Where Are We, go-? you know, where are we? Where are we Going? That's interesting. Okay, yeah, it's a, it, it reminds me a bit of Guernica, which is the the uh, the painting by um, Picasso. It's not quite as bad as Guernica in terms of stark uh, horror and, and and chaos, but Guernica was the painting that um, Picasso painted after the the uh, the Nazis bombed uh, a town in Spain during the Spanish Civil War when Franco was, uh, I guess he was the, the 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 Marxist, you know, going after the communists. When Nazi Germany attacked communist Russia, he had left-on-left violence. So the most violent people on earth are the leftists. They even hate each other. That's how violent they are. So the greatest defeats, the greatest uh, victories, the greatest uh, destruction, the greatest total waste of human life in all of World War II was on the Eastern Front between Russia and Germany. I think Russia lost 20 million people. I'm not sure how many Germany lost. You know, they had hundreds of thousands of soldiers captured who ended up in labor camps and never came back. You know, Soviet labor camp, it's a gulag. <laughs> you, don't, you don't come back from that, right? Uh, especially if you're a Nazi. Russians, you know, hate Nazis, still do. Uh, it's interesting. Um, but anyway, point of it being that the leftists is where the violence, the left is where the violence is. You look at Antifa, Black Lives Matter, any of these groups. The KKK, the former uh, Democrat enforcement, militant arm, it's all violent. You know, you look at the leftists who formed the Democrat Party who engaged in the Civil War and started that. You know, the Confederacy was, was the Democrat Party, folks. You know, violence doesn't change. Anyway, so Paul Gauguin's famous painting of the same name, where do we come from? Where, what are we and where are we going? It's great. Quite, these are three great questions. And then she says, this is Molly Slag again in the American thinker where I pu- actually published my first article and they never, <laughs> it's kind of funny that they didn't like any of the other ones I wrote. Okay, fine. I mean, so at least I got one uh, talking about the creation of the American city state. I'll talk about that sometime too. Anyway, she says all these questions crop up all over the place. And then she said, I would add a fourth question that is just as important. Is there an alternative? And of course, the answer is action radio. Yes, there is, which is why I'm reading the article. So look at the first question. She says, where are we? She says, we are in the age of the irrational hoax, unlike the Piltdown Man hoax. I'm not sure what that is. P-I-L-T-D-O-W-N, Piltdown Man hoax, which was clothed in with an aura of credibility and therefore was a mere fraud. (laughs) The hoaxes of climate change, transgenderism, 
DEI, I'm not sure what that is, CRT, I do know what that is, COVID vax, white supremacy, etc., are just not false. They are also irrational and absurd, utterly lacking any hint of credibility. Moreover, every one of these hoaxes will lead to the destruction of our middle class. And that's what it's all about. See, middle class is freedom. If you want to have a free society, you have to have a middle class. In fact, you actually have the, the best thing is not even to look at classes. But you want a lot of people in the middle, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know of, of every you know, racial whatever description you want to have. But lots of people in the middle make for a good country. In other words, most people, most people have a pretty decent life. You know, they can afford a home, they can afford a car or two, you know, they can take vacations. It's usually a family, you know, mom, dad, and the kids. You know, let's, let's be traditional here. I mean, that's what works. Mom, dad, and the kids works. Not necessarily in my case. I tried. I really did. But, you know, anyway, stuff happens. Um, but that's the ideal. And so, uh, you know, all these other blended families and all the, all the other stuff people, no, mom, dad, and the kids. You know, that's, that's the basis of society, all right? So if you have a place where you know, one, one parent works, uh, or it doesn't have to be that way. I'm just saying, but if one parent can work and support the family and one parent, and not, just, not distinguishing who, uh, in fact, they can go back and forth on this. One parent can work and take care of the kids and the other parent can work and take care of the kids and you can flip back and forth and, and do different things. But what I'm saying is that that's the ideal and that's the building block of society. When you get away from that, you know, when most people can't afford a house uh, to have one, you know, one adult working and supporting the family and not be able to take a vacation and not be able to uh, provide, you know, basic stuff, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go out for, uh, you know, fancy food every night. You can't. Most people can't do that. But mo- most people don't want to. I'm sorry. Burgers are fun. Burgers on Friday night you know, with family, watching movies. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Anyway, so that's what makes a society work. The, the, the Romans used to say that the three things that, a, you know, a city needed to, to function, uh, clean water, uh, good sewage, and roads. You know, and so, so you have, I would add transportation to that. So you've got good transportation, clean water, and good sewage. And you pretty much, you know, eliminated most problems, including disease, by the way. Vaccines don't cure disease, you know, sewers do, <laughs> you know, good sewers. Cure. That's what, that's what stopped polio, not the vaccine. Vaccine came around after polio was pretty much done. A little fact of history. So then it says in the coup, we never knew Victor Davis Hanson asks, did someone or something seize control of, of the United States? The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. He says, he, she says, he then offers the only answer possible. We are beginning to wake up from a nightmare to a country we no longer recognize and from a coup we never knew. Well, this is going to sound arrogant to me, um, but I remember when I first came to the United States, 1972, you know, I'm a kid, right? Preteen and 12 years old and I'm about to turn 13. <laughs> anyway, now you know all about me. Um, but when I came here, the first thing that both impressed and shocked me was the size of the federal government. Now, having lived in Canada and Australia before that, um, I mean, the, the government was there, but it wasn't that big. You know, in fact, uh, my, my first uh, uh, introduction to, to government was the 1967 uh, fair in Montreal. Uh, it was the, the Canadian National Exhibition. 1967 was, was Canada Day, Centennial Day, 100, year, uh, 100 years of Canadian independence. And although sort of <laughs> still a British Commonwealth, you know, technically, but anyway. Um, but it was fascinating. It was, you know, then we saw big government stuff and the government put it on. So oh, this is kind of impressive. And I haven't seen Ottawa yet. I've got to go, got to, go to my capital, uh, of my, my, my place of birth, Canada. But anyway, the government was, was not, I don't remember the government affecting a whole bunch of lives uh, as directly. And then I went to Australia. And at the, the time I remember watching an air show. And the Australian Air Force had leased, I think, 24 Phantom jets 
frontline fighter, beautiful fighter. Uh, in fact, they actually put live ammunition on on them, and they they blew apart a concrete bunker. <laughs> you don't see that anymore. But uh, they, this is back in the in the in the sixties in Australia, and so they were crazy enough. And we were far away, we were a couple hundred yards away, but still it was live ammunition. And these were jet fighters, blew up a concrete bunker. So a Phantom comes. They they had like three or four passes, but the first one, you know, obliterated this thing with cannon fire. Anyway. It was really interesting to see, uh, you know, you'll never see that again, but it was fun at the time. Anyway, but that was the entire Australian Air Force was like 24 Phantom Jets. So, you know, they had two aircraft carriers, which were, you know, sort of okay, maybe. But it, the federal government wasn't that big. Now, totally oppressive. You know, but it wasn't that big. But when I came to the United States, the government was everywhere. And I lived, uh, you know, Lexington, Massachusetts, near, uh, near a huge Air Force base with these 12,000-foot runways that were built for B-52s so they could take off and go to uh, Vietnam. And, of course, you had around there, you had Raytheon and General Dynamics and, uh, you know, some of the other things, Digital Equipment Corporation, DEC. You know, all the high-tech high places were around this field because uh, all the, the, good, the, the good, but the military weapons and research was going on. And, of course, that was big. I'm seeing this big airport and these big jets, C-5 Galaxies, B-52s. And I think, this is big. <laughs> you know? And then all the places where government showed up in, in welfare and places and taxes. And as I got older, it was like, big. And the government is so big. And, of course, once I realized how big the government was, I'm thinking to myself, I'm still like 12, 13, 14 years old. And I'm looking around. This, I said, this, there's something wrong here. Of course, at the same time, you know, well, actually earlier in Australia, you know, I studied World War II. Uh, this, this amazing special, The World at War with Laurence Olivier. And so I, I heard from all these people. And we didn't know, you know, we didn't know that Hitler was going to do this. We didn't know, you know, the Japanese. We didn't know that Hirohito was going to, you know, do the things he did. And we didn't know. You know, of course, and Mao, we didn't know. <laughs> Nobody knew, right? Well, you know, and then, of course, I'm saying, well, you should have. You know, and, and in fact, we now. So the idea, um, I, I always thought the next place for political oppression was the United States. And it took a while, <laughs> but it got here. And it had been building for quite some time. So I'm probably one of the few people that's not surprised by this because I figured, you know, every nation has its, has its go with, uh, with charity. I mean, the British monarchies, you guys see Braveheart? Okay. Uh, Germany with Hitler, you know, Russia with, uh, with uh, Stalin and all the, you know, some of the worst folks, China with Mao, you know, uh, Cuba with uh, Castro, Venezuela with Hugo Chavez, you know, Pol Pot in Cambodia. I mean, every country at some point has this dictatorship, and, and we hadn't had one. So I figured someday, I hope not, but someday it's probably going to come here. And, of course, now it's here. So I've been sort of expecting this and hoping it wouldn't happen for most of my adult life. And so now that it has happened, I, I feel in a position to do something about it. And that's why I created Action Radio. And the whole purpose of Action Radio is that we, the people, start writing the laws that we consent to be by. All right? This is a radical notion. This is revolutionary. But it's a peaceful revolution. See, the, the irony of, of having the Marxists take over the United States happen at this particular point in history is that we have the electronic means to fight back, whereas we didn't before. You know, back in the Nazi days, they burned books. Now, the advantage of books is, unlike the Internet, you know, if you're going to scrub everything from books, you have to get them all and burn them. With the Internet, you just throw a button. <laughs> you know, wipes out everybody's, you know, hard drive with whatever article they're, they're trying to delete. You just can't find it anymore, right? Unless you, you know, put it. I have a couple of charts from the CDC on my computer uh, showing how COVID ended in July of 2020. <laughs> okay. The death rate was heading for zero. Uh, it started in January, peaked April 15th, tax day. It did, peaked April 15th. I find that ironic. And then headed down to zero. So by July 4th, you know, COVID Independence Day, as I call it, of 2020. This is before, this is like, you know, six months before the, the, the fatal jab came out. Um, and it was already gone. 
you know, so, so the, the so-called vaccine rollout was for a disease that had already died and already stopped. And then the vaccine became the disease. So this, this is what they did. You know, so they preserved, in fact, everything that was done by the government was done to preserve COVID so that by the time the, the non-vaccine came out, um, you know, people would, would take it to prevent a disease that had already died. I mean, the COVID, the original COVID virus was gone, you know, pretty much by the time that uh, the, the COVID shot showed up. So people were being shot up for a, a virus that no longer existed in its present form. And, of course, the, uh, the non-vaccine um, caused all the other mutants, you know, mutants to follow. And I didn't mean, I should say mutations, but mutants sounds funnier. So that's what happened. So I'm not surprised this country had a Marxist takeover. I am not. Uh, I'm horrified. I'm disgusted, but I'm not surprised. Because every government, every, every country goes through this at some point. Now, the question is, what can we do about it? And what's so wonderful and beautiful about the United States is that we still do have a constitution. People still do believe in freedom. But what they don't have that we used to have is the gumption to do something about it. You know, people will still say America is the greatest country, the freest country in the world. Well, okay, not right now. <laughs> it's simply not. Uh, we're in a terrible position right now. But whereas Americans used to, you know, you know, stand up tall and say, I'm not going to take this. You guys remember Howard Beale? Uh, this is the Peter Finch character in, in uh, Network. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, apparently Americans are as mad as hell, but they put on masks. See, that's the difference. The difference between even 1980 Americans and, and uh, you know, 2023 Americans is the back, you know, 1980 Americans were mad as hell and they, they yelled out the windows and they did something about it. You know, 2020, 2023 Americans, you know, 40% are, are, are mad as hell, but they put masks on anyway and they take jabs for things that they, they have no idea what's going into their system uh, and they do it because they're afraid not to. Oh, there's some that did it because of the job, and I understand that, but you're still afraid not to. You're afraid to lose your job. The real fear is you're afraid that you couldn't find another job. Why were you afraid you couldn't find another job? There's lots of jobs out there, especially these days when you've got generations of millennials and Gen Z people who are sitting at home on their butts or living in mommy's basement. There's plenty of jobs. Or create one like I did. (laughs) Do send me no. Well, there's a price to be paid for that too. So back to the original question, where are we? Uh, so then it says in the coup, back to the article, in the coup we never knew, Victor Davis Hansen asks, did someone or something seize control of the United States? He then offers the only answer possible. We are beginning to wake up from a nightmare, nightmare to a country we no longer recognize from a coup we never knew before. Knew. That was my recap. Then it says this coup revealed itself plainly in the stolen 2020 election. Many said that disaster was an outlier, a one-off, as they say, that MAGA could shake off you know, shake off like a dog shaking off a spring shower. But the replication of that same unsavory fact pattern in the 2022 election dashed that hope. Can there be another fair national election? Okay, some have doubts. Well, as I said, you know, ever since 2020, I said, unless we fix 2020, there won't be a 2022. Of course, that was proven correct. And if we don't fix 2020, there's not going to be a 2024. The election will be stolen. Well, see, the nice thing about action radio is we're not dependent on elections. You know, I don't care who's in office. I'm going to supply bills, you know, to who's ever in office. And if we get enough people, enough people sharing the bills, enough people uh, sharing what we do here, enough people sharing the shows, and enough people sending our bills to Washington, you know, to be stronger than lobbyists and their, their billions of dollars, then we win. If we don't, then they win. Well, it's up to you. Do you want them to win or do you want to win? If you want to win, then let's get going. Let's get busy. If you want them to win, just sit in your butt and wear a mask and take a jab and die. I can't help you. 
So the article says we live in a time of electoral fraud. We know that. We know that leftist power brokers stole the 20 and 2022 national elections and that they have every intention of continuing to steal elections. Precisely because of this electoral fraud, we are being ruled without our consent. How about that? So it's says Dennis Prager um, and expands upon uh, some of the absurdities characterizing the political reality of our time, which includes, here we go, men should be allowed to compete in women's sports. That's insane. Defunding police will decrease crime. Oh, really? Racial segregation is anti-racist. <laughs> Opposition to racial segregation is racist. <laughs> Diversity is strength. Uh, that's like uh, diversity. That's like right out of Orwell. Remember Orwell's ignorance is strength. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Okay. Diversity is, I put diversity is strength. Put that in there too. Number six, free speech does allow, does not allow for hate speech. Well, that's irrational. The whole point of free speech is that there is no hate speech. There's only action. And that's different. The other one, you're, you know, of course, you know, one person's free speech is another person's hate speech. Well, that's the whole point. You're supposed to be offended. If you're not being offended, then the free speech isn't worth anything. It just isn't. Number seven, you're not a human being until you're born. No, really? Eight, capitalism is evil. I already covered that earlier by accident. Nine, America is systematically racist. So I've been, I've been thinking about this whole racist thing. And my question is, how do, you know, where, where is racism in society? How do, people, how do people express racism in a way that affects everybody else? You can have racist feelings. You can be the biggest racist in the world. And, and nothing's going to change because you, you, know, you either keep it to yourself or you just yell and scream, but you don't have any power. So in order to be a successful racist, you have to have some kind of power, and the power these days is political or corporate. So the only people who, the only racists who can have any effect are the corporate racists and the government racists, you know, because they can hire people based on their race. They can fire people based on their race. They can prosecute, harass, get rid of, uh, victimize, or do anything based on, on people's races or sexes for that matter, too. You know, the lowest person on the ladder today is the white male. That would be me, white male Christian. Lowest, lowest on the scale. Easiest to victimize. Okay? Government, same thing. How does government exercise racist power? Well, affirmative action, scholarships, quotas, um, building contracts. You know, there's all kinds of ways. The government exercises racism. So the only racists that have power are corporations and government. That's it. Individuals, like I say, if you're an individual racist, you can yell, scream, you know, but you're not having any power over anybody unless you have the power to hire and fire or unless you have the power of government. That's it. Anyway, <sighs> I don't know if I want to read the rest of this. I'm getting bored. <laughs> I'd rather read my own article. Well, I'll just get to two. How do we get here? I'll get to two and three and then four is there. I'll turn it. We're almost done. How do we get here? We arrived at this dreadful status quo via the less successful Grimersh. Gramscian. You got to look up Gramsci. All right, G R A M S C I. So Gramscian marched through the institutions of our government and society since World War II. Victor David Hansen believes this march is complete. Like Victor David Hansen kind of wrote this article, because wokeism has infiltrated all of America's institutions, including the workplace, education, entertainment, medicine, law, the media, and the military. Well, the cure for wokeism is humor. <laughs> Ridicule them. Remember the three ways that you get out of. Uh, um, what is it, a mass, a mass psychosis? Truth, ridicule, and false structures. Well, we talk about truth here all the time. We certainly ridicule all the time. And our parallel structure is our citizen legislature compared to the one that's been bought and paid for in Congress and in the states. So that's how we got here. Where are we going? We're headed toward total annihilation as a nation. But we're not done yet. <laughs> we're still here. 
uh, for is there an alternative? Uh, then she says, and this is where I, I completely disagree. She says, no, there's not. Forget it. It's over. It's indeed a fait accompli. Well, maybe not quite. So one institution survives, battered but still intact. If the original elemental polity, the family, were to rear up, on, rear up on its hind legs, unceremoniously yank its kids out of government schools, well, they should be abolished. Government is incapable of educating. All they do is indoctrinate. There shouldn't be government schools, plain and simple. Uh, out of government school and roar a challenge at once fearsome and desperate. <laughs> you want our children? Come take them. <laughs> yeah. You want my gun? Pry it from my cold, dead hands. Except I'm still alive, so it's going to be a little tougher. Uh, followed by the terrible, that was me, not the article, right? Back to the article. Followed by the terrible snarl of the mama grizzly. See, they already discount men. You know, where's the Papa Grizzlies? Okay. You know, and this is another, this sexism society is so bad that even the Patriots talk about the Mama Grizzly without the Papa Bear. You can't do this without Papa Bear. Okay. It's not going to happen. It takes Mama Bear and Papa Bear. Because, so you can't talk about the family in one hand and then just talk about Mama Grizzlies. I'm sorry. You forgot the other half of the equation. The Papa Bear. I'm a Papa Bear. You have a kid. (laughs) You know, and I'm definitely loud. (laughs) Anyway, this is another story. I got a microphone. I'm not afraid to use it. Then it says, you know where we live, right behind those blades of grass. Yeah, they're, see, I don't like grass. Grass sucks. Last paragraph. Having this ro- hearing this roar, that would be me, the confused masses might yet take heart and rise up behind them and implement the Declaration's injunction to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. That's exactly why Action Radio was created. And my mission statement for us is that we, the people, give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. That's the whole thing right there. That's it. All right. um, Let me take a quick break here, and then I'll get back to my article. I'll talk about it. I might read some of it. Uh, who knows? We'll see what because Jonathan's going to join us at the top of the hour. So before I get too far off track, I'll <laughs> play a couple of things. It's uh, 7.37 here, Central Time, in a beautiful day in Florida. The sun's out already. It's going to be a gorgeous day. I mean, it's a bike riding day. We'll see. I haven't been, it's been raining the last few days and cold. I haven't been on my bike for a while, but uh, clears my head. That's where I do my best thinking on the bike trail. All right, and back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, 
this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, we are back, 741 here. We've got uh, Jonathan mostly joining us at the top of the hour. And we're going to talk law, politics. I mean, I've got a bunch of different things going on. Uh, Super Bowl, fair game, <laughs> you know. Um, it's so political now. Everything's political. It's really kind of it's taking all the fun out of stuff anyway. All right, so I'm getting political myself here. And in fact, I wrote a, um, an article. I'm starting right on Substack. And so I'd love you to be a subscriber. Uh, I'd love it better if you could be a paid subscriber. Help us out here at Action Radio. Uh, spread the word. Spread the message. Let us, you know, uh, I mean, I'm going to try and present ideas that you've never heard before uh, and solutions. You know, I mean, everybody's complaining. Uh, you know, even that last article, I call it raising complaining to an art form. And so the art form of complaining uh, is best exemplified by all the conservative news stations and all the conservative publications and the conservative talking heads and the conservative pundits. They'll have a complete lack of imagination. They have no new ideas, and uh, they love complaining. And we were talking about this last week, that it's actually uh, complaining has become an industry. You've got uh, tours and conventions. You've got CPAC. You've got the Reawaken America tour, and people spouting out uh, complaints. Uh, you know, to every, and you already know what the problems are. You know. So this is not the time for talking more about the problems. So if you're, if you're sharing videos and sharing talk things and uh, all that other stuff going out there, look at this. This is the problem that you already know. It's a total waste of time. We don't have time for that anymore. You've got, to, you've got to take a positive action. So my positive action for this, well, actually, well, last week, this week, was to write an article that totally recharacterizes Washington, D.C. And I want you to think about Washington in an entirely different way. Think of Washington, D.C. as a nation, as a country. Think about all the things that a country has uh, and what makes a nation compared to, you know, a state or a province or, or uh, you know, or a group of nations. What, what makes an independent nation? Well, I ain't Washington, D.C., so I'm just going to read it. Uh, so, so this is in Substack, and you get Substack at Greg Penglis, G-R-E-G-P-E-N-G-L-I-S, just the way it sounds, Greg Penglis, that's me, um, at uh, gregpenglis.substack.com. The nation of government, 
D.C. has become, in effect, an independent nation, and the states are the new colonies. Washington, D.C., the district, has become so powerful, so insulated, so completely cut off from reality and from the American people that it has become its own country, a nation of government. Think about it. They have their own borders. The district isn't part of any state and can never be a state because that would violate the Constitution and would give any state they are in an incredible advantage and a whole new set of powers. So then, technically, because they are outside these United States, and they use that term purposefully, they are not actually a part of any, United, any of the United States. And all their behavior reinforces the thesis that they are, in fact, a nation unto themselves. The nation of government is composed almost entirely of government employees. Therefore, their citizenship in the nation of government is to the federal government itself. So I moved my, lost my place there. Uh, there we go. The only state they could claim is the deep state, to which they pledge allegiance and follow orders. Citizens have passports, but in the nation of government, they have credentials. They keep their secrets through security clearances, mostly. The nation of government has its own airline and air force of jets, jets to law enforcement jets, and Air Force One, plus the various vehicle and truck fleets in the provinces, uh, excuse me, departments, the nation of government has its own buildings and a GSA real estate and maintenance service. The nation of government has its own transit system, its own airport, multiple national police forces, and a beltway to mark the exterior boundary. The nation of government is self-contained. The nation of government is self-supporting, owing to an incredibly stupid and dangerous constitutional amendment whose ratification is still in an ongoing investigation, the nation of government gained the power to tax the citizens in the states and territories directly. No apportionment, no citizens paying the states who would then pay the federal government. No, from 1913, the year freedom died, the nation of government bypassed the states and taxed the citizens directly. This is the year the states became colonies and the citizens became colonists. To enforce the dictates of the nation of government, like the British monarchy of George III, they have erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. This language should sound familiar. Citizens of the nation of government have privileges not available in the 50 colonies. 287,000 armed bureaucrats of the nation of government, equivalent to an army of over 12 divisions, can carry pretty much any firearm anywhere in the colonies 24-7 without a permit, a license, or any restrictions. They can carry openly or concealed. They can carry fully automatic weapons, extra-large magazines, and other arms unavailable to the colonists. They can carry in government buildings, police stations, airplanes, the halls of Congress, all of which, again, are illegal for the colonists. They can and do use their weapons with immunity. The 30th anniversary of the Waco massacre is approaching, and no one in the nation of government has ever been held responsible. The nation of government probably has a million firearms and billions of rounds of ammunition. The nation of government can go to war. The states became reinforced as the colonies again in 1913 when the state legislatures lost the power to elect or appoint their senators, which again, in a dangerous and stupid constitutional amendment, states were stripped of the representation in Congress. The colonies now have their revenue transferred to the nation of government and then, have, then beg to have a portion returned. The nation of government imposes unfunded mandates on the colonies because they can. 
The colonies can do nothing about this because the nation of government has no place of representation for them. The courts certainly are no help as they reinforce, with rare exception, the edicts of the nation of government they serve. The nation of government issues its own currency to the 50 colonies in the form of a Federal Reserve note, which is a private corporate bank-issued currency printed at will, which perpetually lowers, thus continually transferring its value back to the nation of government. This is the third strike from the year that freedom died, 1913. There is no U.S. currency, no U.S. dollars, nothing to empower the colonists to become full citizens with a true national legal tender for commerce, investment, and the accumulation of property. As all such powers are denied, the colonists and controlled by the fiat money issued by the nation of government. Since the nation of government has no restraint on their ability to spend, borrow, and print money, the resulting inflation of the notes put the colonies in jeopardy. They will be destroyed by the nation of government, which will exhaust the earning and revenue product of the colonies unless a U.S. currency is restored and the power to borrow money from the colonists is removed from the nation of government. In the most egregious demonstration of pure hubris and decadent corruption, the nation of government stole the power of the colonists to vote and the colonies to elect a president through the former state electoral college by stealing the 2020 election in a coup d'etat in what I call the government choosing the government. The nation of government's separation from the 50 colonies is now complete. They no longer need the participation of Americans in the electoral process. The states as colonies no longer have the power to protect their citizens, making citizenship in a state meaningless. So much for the 14th Amendment. The turning of the people into colonists is complete as well. Just look at all the political prisoners in the D.C. Gulag. Not one state has reclaimed or extradited, extradited their citizens from the nation of government. Look at what the nation of government has chosen for the colony, colonists they rule. It's almost the same as colonial rule under the British monarchy, just with modern technology and firearms. The nation of government is completely happy with no borders and millions of invaders flooding the colonies. The nation of government has denied the colonies and colonists, us, we the people, our energy, our food, our supply lines, our money, our representation, our vote, our standing in court, the protection of our former states, and the security of our own property. The nation of government has created a dictatorship over the colonies while forcing the colonies to support the nation of government with unlimited funds from unlimited sources. The nation of government has lost any concept of the individual, which is the basis of all freedom and liberty. The nation of government exists as a corrupt globalist collective disguised behind deceptive propaganda, such as the public good, and unrepresentative terms such as human rights, diversity, and inclusion. The nation of government breaks all the colonists into manageable groups with nation of government-imposed group identities, completely separate from any identity as Americans, any connection with God, any extension of family, any rights as citizens of a state, any privileges or immunities, or the equal protection of laws as citizens of these United States. We have all been reduced to colonials of the nation of government. It's time to defect from the nation of government. We the people need to restore these United States as intended when founded, where the just powers of government come not from the dictates, perceived needs, quest needs, quest for ever-increasing power, 
and the outright obsessions and addictions of the nation of government, but from the writing of laws by and from we the people and we the states, so that the laws are what we, the people, consent to be governed by. And the nation of government is back firmly and completely in the constitutional box existing at the pleasure of the states as a district only and a humble servant. That is the mission and purpose of the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. Join us. Ah, I even have a little bio here, too. Greg Fenglis is the creator of Action Radio, the world's first show where the audience is a citizen legislature. Action Radio heard weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time. That's podcast right after. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislative input, citizen action, lobbying, and advocacy. I have to tell you, it's weird reading my own article. <laughs> it just is. It's a little strange. But uh, that's it. That's it. And so if this concept makes sense to you, if it, uh, if, you know, what's the term, resonates? You know, if you start thinking of Washington as its own country, that's how independent they are. It's a district. It's, it's, it, it, the weird part is it's not part of the United States. Now, the reason I say these United States, although I look it up in those articles, well, Obama said these United States in a, in a misstatement. No, the difference between the United States and these United States is that these United States are independent. They are states, independent, but united. The United States is one country, but the states are, are just provinces part of it. It's like one unit. So do you look at the United States as one unit, in other words, the United States of America, or do you look at the country as these United States, multiple, 50 independent, sovereign nations that have joined together as states you know, in a confederacy? That's how it started. Now under a national government, it's supposed to be a federal government. So it's really interesting. I mean, I just find this all quite fascinating, uh, how this all works. So, uh, yeah. Boy, this has been a tough hour. <laughs> it's been a good hour, but it's been a tough hour. It's, 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 uh, emotionally, you know, because I get into this stuff so much, it's, it's kind of crazy. Let me check live chat here, see if anybody's joining us. Let me say Jonathan will be here in the next little bit. Nope, nobody yet. We also have a Skype line, too. You want to join us on Skype? Uh, get an account the day before, and uh, then I can approve it, and then you can call from anywhere in the world. And I, I miss the international calls. We've had Israel, uh, China, uh, Singapore. And where else we got uh, Belize, you know, uh, Ellen Dawson tour guide used to call us from there all the time. Huh. Where do I want to go now? I've got a bunch of other articles. I've got a bunch of other things to talk about. I think I might take another break for a couple minutes here, get all my commercial stuff done and then see, I want to, I want to see if I can find something totally different for you um, because it's uh, Oh yeah. Let's talk about Oklahoma. Come back and talk about the insurrection of how, how, uh, how trans lives matter in Oklahoma, and that's not an insurrection. But Trump supporters who are supporting the government are. Well, actually, Pianchi's here. Actually, I'd rather talk to him uh, right now and take a break. But, um, yeah, let's make it on live. So, Pianchi, that's the nation of government. Good morning, sir. Hello, Greg. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm roll. I'm going to roll today. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm glad Jonathan's coming up. I don't want to, you know, I used to do two-hour monologues, then I was completely exhausted. That's no fun. I'd rather talk to people. This is a talk show. So what do you think of, of my new concept of thinking of Washington, D.C. Uh, as its own country, separate from these United States, uh, and treating us like colonists? Well, you know where the founders got that idea. Which idea? They got it from Africa. Which idea is that? Colonies? That these, what you call colonies, states are really countries. 
Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, Nigeria got 35 governing states, really? countries. Okay. Yes. That's where they got the idea from. They got a lot of ideas from what was going on around the world mm-hmm. that they adopted and applied in their own governance. You can see it all the time. You just have to know how to recognize. I mean, where well, else would they have got it from? The first you know, civilization, if, if humankind began there and they got a jump on every place else because the environment was ideal when they put mm-hmm. things together, then others who finally broke through the environmental restraints that they was under, and if they traveled, they had the opportunity to observe and adopt for themselves. Well, here's a question, though. You know, the, the greatest film that I see, you know, started in England with Magna Carta and it sort of progressed from there. The idea that everybody's an individual and everybody's a sovereign, even though British are still subjects. Is there an African equivalent of Magna Carta or, or a freedom tradition that, that came through at any time? Well, in Magna, Magna Carta came on later. Okay. And they had an opportunity to build off of what they adopted and mm-hmm. fine tune it to work for, you know, what they want. It's just like with, uh, what is his name? Charles the First, Oliver Cromwell. Right. You look at the things that he was for, and you can mm-hmm. see it in the United States, or, or United States early on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I learned from uh, Dan Skyhorse. He talked about the Treaty of New York and the Iroquois Nation, uh, and our Constitution. A lot of it's based on on Iroquois government, and so a lot of it comes from American Indians. And it, I think, and the founders make no bones about this. They drew from everywhere. I mean, they looked around the world. You know, it'd be interesting. Uh, I remember when I wrote my, uh, basically my treatise on, on uh, you know, a, a new model for education. I looked at education systems going back to ancient Greece, ancient Rome, uh, from the, 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 the Muslim, you know, world when they were great, you know, when they had the, the, the library in Alexandria. You know, I haven't, and I looked at some of the other societies, you know, going way back when, and then up to the Middle Ages and, and, you know, then to the one-room schoolhouse and then to the factory model we exist under today. Uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to, to draw on these different traditions and see where, you know, take the best and, and sort of move from there. The founders did that, too. You know, from Adam Smith yes. and uh, John Locke, they took the philosophers. They took from uh, American Indians. I don't know if they took from Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen that referenced, but I wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, they, they, went, they looked well, everywhere they around the world. The uh, Masons, the Masons mm-hmm. dress is just like, uh, and I can't think of his name. The whole idea about leading with your left foot forward and standing on a square and so that came out of Africa, it came out of Egypt. Well, I've the never heard this before. That we have, what's that? Huh? What, what's this left foot forward? I mean, I've never heard that before. Left foot heart, left left foot forward is, is on your side of your heart where you trample out, trample down evil. Oh, okay. And the apron that they wear is a copy of the apron that you can find on the statue of a, I'm going to use the word pharaoh, mm-hmm. and his tomb is across that of Seti, the one there on Saqqara, and Saqqara is where the great sphinx is, is located. So I can't think of the name of the tomb. I can't think of the guy's name. Tutankhamun? But the, no, the, huh? King Tut. <laughs> 
No, it's the only no, one I know. To, to, it's it's soon common Ramses, and there's a couple of other ones that I think I remember. Ramses is the second of the 19th dynasty. <clears throat> but here's the thing. The Ten uh-huh. Commandments in your Bible comes right. out of the 42 declarations of Ma'at, and the 42 comes out of the 144. And you can read uh-huh. them today, and within them you can see the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not make somebody angry and so on, so on, so on. But they don't use thou shalt not. They use I have not when they're standing being judged to see Mm -hmm. whether their heart is as light as the feather. Well, you know, it makes sense when you look at the Ten Commandments that, I mean, these these are basic principles of humanity. Don't steal, you know, honor your parents. Don't have gods before God. You know, don't don't uh, murder. It's not don't kill. It's don't murder. People always get that wrong. Um, but the, the the commandments. I mean, it's the basis of our legal code. It's the basis of a of a sane and just society. I mean, it's the, it's the basis of all kinds of things. It's interesting. The the Ten Commandments are ten sentences. The Bill of Rights is ten sentences, and the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto are ten also. And that which is the which is the antithesis, the exact opposite of the Ten Commandments and the Bill of Rights. But it's not in the negative. What's that? See when you stand in, when you're being judged, you have to you have to you have to repeat it in the negative. You can't repeat it in the potential that you can go out and do it again and again and again. So uh-huh. thou shall not does not have the same weight as I have not. Well, see, but thou shalt not precedes I have not. So in other words, if you if you're you know especially for young folks you know you know kids right when they first learn the Ten Commandments. You know, hopefully they have not at that point, but don't you come along later in life when you're more responsible for yourself? So wouldn't I have not be for adults as opposed to thou shalt not? No, because you can be forgiven. Okay, that makes sense. See, when you're being judged, when you're being judged, when you stand there, when you stand there before a star who's sitting on the throne, you're being judged by him, and you have the Anubis, which has your life, your life in the book of life. And then you have to re- recite the 42, which says, I have not this, I have not that, I have not, uh, I have not defiled another man's wife. Mm-hmm. What if well, you have? That's, I mean, what, what if you committed some of these sins? Then what do you do? I mean, that's part of your judgment, I guess, right? Well, if, he, if, if they lied, then there is a, a alligator-headed creature that will consume them. Huh. We're sitting there with them. So it's bad enough to have done it, but it's worse to lie about it? That's interesting. Okay. This sounds very much what Wendy, uh, Wendy was talking about, the Book of Life, too. So this is very similar. Uh, but it makes sense. A lot of these things transcend all kinds now, of Now, above them, there's six, uh, 12 netters who judge them. That's where you get your judge by 12 in your jury. And they have in their hand an ankh, which is the symbol of life. Mm-hmm. And they all approve of him. They hold the ankh up. The ankh is a symbol of life, and it has three parts. People call it a cross that has a, a oval shape. The oval shape represents the woman. Mm-hmm. Womb. The narrow part represent, represents the fallopian tube. Either cross on the left and right represent the man and the female coming together to plant the seed in the womb and when the seed becomes of maturity it's born it comes down the fallopian tube and into the world 
You know, so this is very, uh, are you saying that, you know, this is predate um, the Bible? Because it's like the book of life, when he's talking oh, about yeah, exactly the same thing. Everything is predate. So, so what, time, what time period are we talking about here? I'm just curious. How many thousand years ago? Or it's, does anybody really know? Some of this stuff goes back to 10,000 before the common era. Okay. See, this is, I need to do more with ancient societies. So if you, I, I really wish you could take some time and present to us more on these ancient societies. I want to know about the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Carthaginians, uh, ancient Greeks, ancient Rome. We should talk more about that because I think there's an I entire world. You. I'm going to start looking into it. I mean, I might I start wouldn't have you. I would not. Why not? Because all your Christians would leave. You'd be by yourself. I don't think so. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree completely. No, because any Christian who, who believes in knowledge, all your Christians will leave. No, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. Well, let's 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 ask one. Uh, uh, hey, don't, don't go away. No, wait, 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 wait. Jonathan, would, <laughs> would you if we if we talked about ancient, Pianki contends that Christians will leave. I'm a Christian. I wouldn't leave. First of all, it's my show. Jonathan, would you leave if we talked about ancient societies as as Pianki is right now? What are you What are you talking about about ancient oh, societies? This society. Oh, he just this he just history got. or huh? No, it's an origin of religious concepts. But no, you know out of this way, come out and argue with people, especially if I call in your show. <laughs> I just uh, you make a comment and I go. Now, if people want to really get down and, and debate it on a uh, neutral ground, I will debate anybody. But uh, no, people have these beliefs, and, and really, it's well founded. Uh, but a debate, you know, I, I would just, I would discuss a debate implies like winners and losers in a competition. I would love to get you on. I'll talk to Wendy about this uh, and see what she, see no, she wants to no, do. No, no, why not? No, it was so. But I, I, I think it's actually it's almost insulting to think that people won't talk about new knowledge and and, and new ideas and things. See, I don't see anything incompatible with what you're saying. I don't see you anything incompatible. Yeah, well, I mess with people's beliefs all the time. I say assumptions are stronger than truth. You know, I you know, I yeah. remember when I, was, when I was raising my kid, we talked about this. That I, I contend that evolution and creation are compatible because creation is an ongoing See, process. Thing, if you if you go against a person's beliefs, now you're taking something from them. Not necessarily. Like I was arguing, like I was in a discussion with another friend of mine. I only have a few left in my telephone, <laughs> and he says that when he dies, his uh, his physical spirit, which is the electric force, is going to continue to exist. And okay. I say, well, that's not true because that don't, you can't even duplicate that. And then what happens when you mix with all those other ones out there? You know who mm-hmm. you were when you died. And another thing, if you die when you're uh, 20 and your wife continues to live and she finally passed away when she's 80, well, that twenty-year-old man ain't gonna want to have nothing to do with you. You too old. <laughs> That's why I love talking to you. Um, so, Jonathan, I, I strongly uh, suggest to, to if you listen a few minutes beforehand because you never know where we're going to be when you walk into the show. But that, that's we're such a free-flowing place. See, I see no challenge. Uh, I see no challenge to Christianity. I see no challenge that there are different ideas. I see no challenge that they're the same ideas that came about at different times. That that makes perfect sense to me because a lot of these are universal principles anyway. So whether they came from Africa or whether they came from the Middle East or wherever they came from, uh, you know, biblical scholars, ancient scholars, makes perfect sense. I don't see a problem. And I don't think people, uh, if, you, if you can't 
listen to uh, either an alternative or a different or, or a challenging point of view, then your own views aren't that solid. Anyway, let's get to Jonathan. I want to talk about some different stuff here. So, uh, Jonathan, did you get? Yeah, no, I appreciate Jonathan. Is, uh, well, Jonathan. Well, yeah, and I, I want to pick this up, Bianca, because you, you've raised some fascinating topics. I want to talk more about it. I, like I say, I'll start to look into ancient societies. Maybe I'll present like one a week for the next six months. I don't know, Jonathan. Um, we've got so much going on in the news. But uh, first of all, I don't know if you had a chance to to take a look at my new article uh, on the nation of government. I just went over it before you came on. Um, but the idea that Washington D.C. Is, is, has become really its own country. Uh, it's not part of these United States. Uh, and I explained that a few minutes ago too. Um, but it's, it's really operating separately, that they think of themselves as separate from us, that the, the people that work for government are citizens of government. They're not citizens of the United States. They're, they're a separate entity. And I present this enti- entire series of arguments uh, to make my case. Uh, even if you haven't read it, um, what do you think of the whole concept? I'd be curious. Well, they, they certainly act like it, <clears throat> without without a doubt. Um, um, and, and, and I think the, the most significant part of um, the, the most significant part of uh, the way Washington D.C. the political class behaves is that they seem to have no clue that they're completely out of touch with. Um, with the rest of the, of the country. It's like, they'll say things like, well, of course you're going to agree with this, or they'll, um, or, you know, I can't believe that, that Marjorie Taylor Greene or, you know, said something like, like, it's like we're supposed to be outraged. And like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with that? That's what we've been believed forever. Uh, like one, you know, one, there's one group of people outraged on, um, um, Twitter, that Marjorie Taylor Greene said that um, Mitch McConnell is really a Democrat. Uh, yeah, well, he is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've been we've well, been saying that for fifteen, twenty years, yeah. but but these people don't know that. Mm. They 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 think that they think that it started with you know yesterday with well I mean the the, the and it's it's actually one of these young activists mm-hmm. um, where you know, he's he's trying to say that. I mean, because the, the, the Democrats are forever, um, are, are forever um, hoping that the young people are all going to show up and they're all going to vote with them, which is dubious. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, you know, the, the Democrats are going to win because they're going to, this time the, the young people are going to show up and <laughs> it, it never happens. Um, you know, like I say, from the 80s on. Um, so um, this is one of these activists. And, and the thing is, these people act like, you know, they, they act like the world began when they were born. You know, they, yeah. they don't realize that, you know, there, there, there were things that happened when, when you were in kindergarten, um, this guy. There are things that happened before, um, you know, before you became aware of, of politics. And, you know, and, and despising um and hating uh, Mitch McConnell, it, you know, didn't happen, you know, last week with Marjorie Taylor Greene. It happened, uh, you know, I, I remember how Mitch McConnell was uh, stabbing conservatives in the back 15 years ago, and some of the um, some of the conservative activists were were exposing exposing that. But everything 
and, and of course, this is also another another tactic is that everything that happens, um, they blame it on whomever they want to attack, even though it it happened um, it happened a long time ago. Huh. Um, so so anyway, I think that they. Um, <clears throat> You know, anyway, I think that that DC is completely, you know, un, unconnected to reality, and and they'll say things that they think are going to shock the people that they hang out with at you know at the bars and the the, the steakhouses of DC, and they don't understand that um, the rest of the country is not not thinking the way they are. <laughs> Well, I've been there for an internship, you know, and I, I've uh, it was fascinating, and I could see the bubble, you know, and it was it was an incredible experience. Pianki, do you have much experience in DC? I'd be curious. I think I think Jonathan's absolutely right on. By the way, Pianki, what's your your take on it? Yeah, right after the uh, planes flew into the missile flew into the uh, Pentagon, <laughs> I was there in DC for. Uh, Another event that was held on Washington on the uh, square, mm-hmm. and we took a tour of the city, and the tour went past the Pentagon. So, just that much. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a that was a, oh well, I mean, <clears throat> that was a very um, damaging time during which, once again. The political class took all the wrong messages, yeah. And um, um, so, anyway. Um, well, well, now Pianki said something really fascinating. He snuck in something here. I don't know if people noticed it uh, as much. So I want to kind of go back there. He should talked about the missile that hit the Pentagon. Okay, now if folks remember 9/11. Allegedly, an airplane crashed in the Pentagon, but you can't find a single picture of aircraft wreckage at the Pentagon. I know. I've looked. Oh. There isn't one. You know, oh, you you can't not. find a, a an airplane that flew into Building Seven in the World Trade Center yet it collapsed. There's a lot of yeah, things going but, on. Jonathan? Okay, you know, if you open that up, that's going. This is you know, this show is going to take a week. I just want to say we said it before we don't have to do it. We don't have to do it now. But uh, but as far as the bubble mm-hmm. goes. I mean, like I say, it is a fascinating place. I was there, you know, just back at a CPAC convention in 2018, and everybody was there, and they're all reinforcing each other's stuff. But it's such a, I mean, the things that they believe, they believe, I, I think there are probably people that honestly believe that Brandon won the election. That's absurd. How can you think that? He was, he was at his best. He never did well. How come all of a sudden when he's got two brain aneurysms and he's acting as a total moron, completely unqualified, except to lead the idiocracy, that all of a sudden he could beat the most popular president, you know, we've had, far more than Reagan, quite honestly, you know, who brought unparalleled prosperity, security, and safety to this country. That's irrational. That's, that's intellectually impossible. And yet, they keep spouting this nonsense. It's a weird place. Right. Well, speak, speaking of which, um, they, uh, um, <clears throat> they, um, you talk about keeping the country safe. You know, it looks like we're now in, in an interplanetary war. Um, <laughs> and, well, um, here's, now here's another oh. thing. This is uh, there's no pictures of, of those craft either. The only they keep talking about the three or four things that have been shot down, and yet the only pictures you see are of the original spy balloon 
So, Jonathan, what's right. going on that you know? And then we'll talk, I want to talk to Janaki about this, too. Well, they're but, leaking uh, things out. And, of course, you know, I, I, okay. I think that – I don't think you can fault the government for not necessarily releasing some of this information. But, um, you know, but if they're going to, they're mm-hmm. – you know they're 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 leaking out bits and pieces here and there, mm-hmm. and um, the stories that are you know leaking out are that the the now three objects, right um, after you know different from the balloon, mm-hmm. um, were not aircraft. I mean, well, first of all, our aircraft flew by them, mm-hmm. and the reason that they determined it was okay to shoot them down is because they could tell, I think, based on size, that there was nobody inside. Well, nobody of human size, anyway. Um, and <laughs> they shut down um, a rabbit. And they said there's a rabbit on board. <laughs> Watch out for the rabbit. I'm sorry. Well, or there were, or there were little green, green men or something from, hmm. um, or, or it's like Doctor Who, where his ship is bigger on the inside than on the outside. Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> so, so, so they, um, they say it's, it was cylindrical. It was not a balloon. I mean, these, these are different leaks that have come out from the mm-hmm. – and this is in the mainstream media. This is not, you know – But there's no um, description. Uh, does it have no, wings? But the, but the, does it have a power plant? Pieces, the description is coming out in bits and pieces where they say it's, it was cylindrical. It right. was not an airplane. It was not a mm-hmm. balloon. It mm-hmm. had no, visual, vi, no, uh, no evident means of propulsion. Mm-hmm. And it uh, – and no means of being able to float at 40,000 feet. You know what? Here's the problem, though. Every F-22 carries a camera. Airplanes have – they've had gun cameras since World War II. <laughs> you know, these planes have, have cameras. They've got pictures of whatever it is they shot down. Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're out there. Sure the well, they're, they're just not showing them to us. That's the problem. Pianchi, go ahead. They shot it, they shot it over the ocean. Is it the ocean – American aerospace? No. Well, now here's the question, I though. Mean, if, if they, Wait a minute. If you've got a missile aimed towards the United States, do we have to wait for it to be over U.S. territory to shoot it down? No. You can shoot it down the launch pad the second it, it fires up the engines, especially if you know where it's going. And that's you know, what space work is all about. Yeah, yeah. If it's a, if it's a Go ahead. If, if they shot it down yeah, over the ocean, then what's the reason of shooting it down? It's not over American aerospace. Doesn't have to be. Jonathan, go well, ahead. I, I think the last ones were, um, the the but um, but just in, in general, no. That's part the, and and I think that was part of the legitimate dilemma is that um, is that if uh, um, you know they they were they were worried that like the original big balloon uh-huh. um, was going to be. Um, I was thinking we, we should have the theme song for "Will You Ride in My in My Beautiful Balloon?" Um, or um, it's copyrighted. Otherwise, or um, yeah, I thought of that. Or the one funny. that goes "Sail on Silver Girl." Okay, you know, struck me as appropriate for this. But anyway, ninety nine Luft Balloon. Ninety nine Balloon. Well, we're getting we're getting up there in number. Uh, so anyway, so. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is they were saying that our territorial limit is 12 miles off the coast. Now, the co- of course, the United States, especially with the Alaskan island chain, is huge and spotty and, and all over the northern Pacific. But, mm-hmm. um, 
but uh, we have, you know, border rights out to 12 miles. We claim a 200-mile economic interest zone. It's fishing, yeah. Like mostly, if, yeah. If, if, if people well, are poaching. Uh, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Is, We've got – go ahead, I'm sorry. They, well, the idea is if they shot it down and it, and it, and it finally came to rest outside of our, of our territorial limit, mm-hmm. then – it would be it would be fair game for anybody to go and collect it. Um, so this is these these are all problematic things. But yeah, but 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 it does raise the question. You know, Ronald Reagan's anti missile defense um, mm-hmm. system would have um, would have tried to shoot down missiles near the launch in mid uh, flight. Mm-hmm. And approaching a target, the three uh, three layers, and people don't you know nobody. Uh, I, I worked for High Frontier where General Graham was developing the plans. Um, you know we weren't a scientific or engineering thing; we we're a think tank. But um, uh, but you know at every stage they tried to minimize minimize what was actually. You know the actual plans. The actual plans were much better than than this. But um, huh? Well, feel free to tell you when you can. For, I want to know more. Yeah. So, so the question is, like, you know, you you raised the question: should should we shoot down something that's clearly in in international airspace? Well, you know, if it's if it's obviously an incoming threat, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know the law that would say that, but it's, I'm, I'm sure there's obviously an exception for, well, that, for that an attack. That first balloon was outgoing. When we shot it down, that's true. But it had, it had violated well, you know, our airspace. Jonathan, how often do the United States fly over countries in oh, the U-2 Dragonfly? And also <laughs> when it was in operation, the SR-71. Right. And didn't Cuba well, that, say no, shoot that, down <clears throat> an American spy plane? And China is, is saying that too. But but now the Soviet Union did shoot down Gary Powers in a U-2 at a particularly tense time. Yeah, because Eisenhower just denied and, that we were we were doing spy flights. And then, of course, they shoot, they shoot down Francis Gary Powers. Like, oops. Yeah, well, Eisenhower didn't look at it. It was like 57, 58 when that happened. When was Gary when was when was Gary Powers? I, I I I don't remember, but it was it was uh, Eisenhower administration. I remember that. Yeah. Oops. How often so do was, American planes fly over the China Sea? That's within China territorial waters. Ooh, is it though? No, that's open navigation. No, that's one of the things that's. A, in fact, that's one of the jobs of the Navy. Jonathan, you can tell me about this too. But part of the Navy's job is to is to reinforce international navigable routes. In other words, trade routes. So China may claim the South China Sea, but they can't have it. That's open waters, and this is this is why we have a navy to enforce that. Jonathan, well, they well claim, is, they Jamaica, is, is Jamaica is not uh, Cuba is ninety miles off the tip of Florida, but Jamaica is closer, if I'm not mistaken. No, and Jamaica and planes fly over the United States international flights all the time. Yeah, well, there's treaties and there's open air, there's airspace and designated. Let me go back to China Sea because I want to talk about that. That's really a, a really key point, um, Jonathan. China may claim it. 
but international rules, international laws, they can't have it because that blocks all the trade routes, blocks all the ships, that blocks all the flights, that blocks a ton of things. So China may want it well, they, and may they, declare they can, it, but they can't have they it. They can have it. They can have it if they bribe our, you know, our president and yeah, what about the they other intimidate countries? our country. Huh. Um, you know, I think that's part of what they're they're trying to do. Is they're trying? I mean, you know, huh. like I just said, this is an island. <clears throat> you know, there there are islands at the tip of the Aleutian Alaskan um, um, uh, island chain that are you can you can literally swim from the United States to Russia. Um, uh, Palin was correct that she never said that she could see it from her house because that was no. a Saturday Night Live skit. But, yeah, that's Tina Fey. People forget that. But the islands, yeah. the islands go so far out into the Pacific, the most extreme point you could – and Russian islands come back the other direction, that you can um, – you know, you a, a good uh, athletic professional swimmer could swim from – United States to Russia. Um, <clears throat> so all those individual islands are U.S. territory, and we get 12 miles from each of those islands. So China is building um, artificial islands in the mm-hmm. South China Sea. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're, um, you know, which is quite clever and quite an accomplishment. But, but so they're, you know, they're moving to claim more and more of the South China Sea, and they are they're using the islands, of course, as, as Air Force and Naval bases, and they're using it to claim the South China Sea as their property. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that's a big part of the showdown here. It's Taiwan, oh, yeah. Taiwan, but it's also the fact that they want to claim the entire South China Sea as their part of their country. So like the Monroe Doctrine so, applied to China? <laughs> Like the Western Hemisphere well, is ours. Even yeah. more, but, but the Monroe Doctrine said that a foreign power can't, you know, meddle in our neighborhood. Right. But they're they're claiming actual ownership. Yeah. Well, see now this is which gets the point that isn't our. This is this is you know where international law would be very interesting to see what's going to happen because if you create an island for the sole purpose of claiming more territory that an island that was not created naturally. You know, the Aleutians are a volcanic chain. They're part of the Ring of Fire. It's a huge archipelago. It's the old land bridge. You know, how folks from Asia came to the United States way back when, you know, between Ice Age or probably during the Ice Age when it was frozen or between them when the water was lower. <laughs> you know, whatever it was, that, you know, that, was, the, that was the bridge. So, so the Aleutians, in fact, the Japanese were there attacking U.S. bases on the Aleutians. That was an invasion route. You know, people forget that, too. But uh, if you create an island for the purpose of expanding your territory... That's got to come under international law treaty. And what's, where's Japan and where's uh, South Korea on this? You know, they're the mo- nations most directly involved. And Taiwan, of course. What kind of allegiances have they formed or alliances? Well, when that treaty was made, when that treaty was made, there was no allowance. But they can say the treaty is antiquated like people say the Constitution is antiquated. Well, they're wrong. So which treaty are you talking but, about? But, but it was overly simplistic. I mean, I mean, okay. in the sense that that is right that they didn't anticipate m- many of these problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you had brought, if someone had brought up at at the uh, 
you know, the, the, the negotiations for, mm-hmm. I forget whether the, the law of the sea, the loss, I think, I think the law of the sea treaty mm-hmm. is a proposed expansion that would be bad for the United States. Um, well, cause it, yeah, uh, it, that's the, a mineral thing. That's a transfer of wealth. That's yeah. a, you can't use your own land. Uh, and there's a bunch of wackos that say you can't fish for lobster and, and crab off California and lobster off Maine. The, the law of sea treaty had some problems with it. As most international laws, it really takes away sovereignty, and it takes away rights of the individual. That's the big problem with that one. We could go back and take a look at it. You know, Reagan didn't like the law. I think the law of the sea treaty is the proposed expansion of what already exists. But I'm saying I I don't remember the name of of the treaty that that already exists. But 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 if somebody had had raised in the in the in the negotiations. Um, you know, now what happens if someone creates an artificial island? Everybody would have laughed. Yeah. So, you know, so it probably doesn't. Hold on, hold on, Jackie. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, so it probably doesn't account for that stuff. Well, no, I'm going to get Pianki's point. Then I'll talk about it. But the, I think we can. Saudi Arabia done it. What, Saudi Arabia, Arabia created artificial islands when they built the Sands Hotel. Nigeria is doing it when they're building a Lego, not Lego, Eco, Eco, Eco Atlantic. Is it Atlantic? Is, yeah. Is Nigeria is building an Eco Atlantic. So they're putting islands, building islands. The Saudi okay, Arabia built islands that look like a palm tree. Yeah, but those are tourist so islands. Say those are not, is, is anybody disputing the, the, the waters? Are these in disputed waters? Are they blocking the Suez Canal? Are they doing anything... Uh, that would cause uh, navigable water. No, they're not nowhere near the Suez Canal. But well, what I'm saying fine. is that uh, depends on. Well, nobody. Uh, China didn't say that uh, would stop ships from coming through the China Sea, but they said it's the China Sea. It's named after them. Yeah. What if they start putting tolls? <laughs> what if they What if they start having, uh, you know, shipping fees? You know, if so, where's the navy? What's the navy going to do? What if the navy like blockaded those islands until they were cut off? I mean, it's going to it's this could get very interesting. But where do artificial? Well, they could. Uh, yeah, Russia blockaded British ships during the Civil War, and China was going to build a canal down around Argentina to circumvent the Panama Canal. Yep, time for the market to open. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a question, too. Um, there's three northern islands of Japan that Russia's been claiming forever. They come the Sakhalin Islands, I think they're called. I mean, so this is this, so territorial disputes are, are have been going on as long as there's been countries. So we're talking ancient societies fought wars over territory. But the question is, but this is new, the, the idea of an artificial island. And say, so if you build an island in an area that's obviously under dispute and then say that what was international waters is now China's simply because they create an artificial island out of nothing, I think that's grounds for dispute. And I don't know where to go to world court, you know, the U.N., or you just you know, boy, blockade it. I'm not sure what you do in that situation, but no one seems to have an answer because I don't even think they're, answer, they're asking the questions what we do about it. They're just letting it happen. That's the problem. But this, this is like when a dispute goes to court in the United States, it comes down to the to the will of our leaders to stand up and say no. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that. We don't have leaders who would say, no, you can't, you can't do that. Speaking of leaders, yeah. <laughs> let's, switch subject, let's switch subjects a little bit. Um, I, I want to talk about the, the, the act of war that the Brandon insurrection committed upon Russia 
by blowing up the Nord Stream 2 pipelines. Now, for those that haven't heard or haven't uh, followed this, Seymour Hirsch wrote an article Thursday, I believe it was. I found it in Citizen News, um, whatever it's called, Citizen News or Citizen News something. It's the successor to Drudge. It's a much better site. Drudge is boring. Drudge, Drudge lost his way a long time ago. He was good. Not anymore. Citizen News Press or Citizen News something. Like that. Anyway, so this article on Seymour Hirsch, and I'm reading this going, what the hell? <laughs> so then I presented it Friday. Pianki was there. That, uh, that we had blown up the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and it was a very elaborate scheme. It took months to decide, months to prepare. Uh, they had demolition charges that were originally on a timer, but then they had to be put on sonoboys. They had to be put on, a, on like a fuse because they wanted them far enough away so that it couldn't be traced back to the United States, which, of course, it was. So we got this Norwegian operation. So we want to blow them up. We've got the, the divers that were trained in Panama City, Florida, which is like 70 miles away from me here. So they're training them right here. Right in the second largest, you know, uh, indoor pool in the in the country, and and so these divers go in, they plant these charges, and they use for cover uh, the Baltic Sea operations called Baltops, and they've been doing this for twenty three, this is twenty third year or twenty something year of it, and so they they have this cover of these military exercises, these naval exercises in the Baltic Sea, and while that's going on above, it's it's like the it's like January sixth, right? So you have the show on top, in other words, the Trump supporters in Congress, and the real actions underneath, you know, going on, the, the, the real arm twisting is going on uh, with Congress while the Trump supporters are walking around upstairs, uh, one of which was killed, uh, Ashley Babbitt, and we had her mom on the show. Uh, she's in the news now, too. It's interesting. So I, I got to see if I, I got to dash her uh, an email. Anyway, the point of all this is that when the, uh, the, the military exercise was going on above, you know, our divers were putting charges, you know, on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and then they leave, and then Norway has a son of boy that sets these things off, flies over like three months later, blows it up, and they, they had the exercise in June, they blew it up in September, and they tried to keep it secret. And of course, you know, Brandon blamed Russia, which he blames for everything, you know, and then tried to blame the gas prices and everything else. And now it turns out that this is an act of war. I mean, it really is. That we blew up. He, he didn't blame uh, Russia. He, he said he Russia. done it. Yeah. Yeah, he said he done it. He said it in an interview. It came out of his mouth. And not only did he say it, but a official with the White House, she said it also. Now, here's the point. Mm-hmm. If he can vividly say what he say, he done, and he done it, how is they saying that Donald Trump Encourage people to go right when he never said that. Because they lie. I mean, lying is standard. Well, this is a Washington. Let's get back to our original point. Jonathan, these people believe either they believe their lies or they believe lying is justified if it gets them what they want, what they want. Either way, lying is like standard operating procedure. They must have schools for lying in Washington because this was so obvious. But we knew it was a lie. We knew it was a lie. As soon as they said Russia did. So why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? That's stupid. They get. You know, we found out later, 45% of their revenue from this one pipeline, they're not going to blow it up. They're going to turn off the valve. Jonathan, what do you think? I think Pianca and I have talked about this a couple of times. Well, I, I, I think Washington, D.C. is a school for lying. Okay. You know, every, every, day, every day in Washington, D.C. Is a, is a new class um, on how to lie. I, hmm. I think that they... I think that they either know they're lying or they're so lacking in morality that they can't understand the concept. It's like things you say are just things you say. It doesn't. Oh, that's there's just, there's just a thing is truth. 
You should put um, that in the comments of my article, <laughs> the nation of government. So the nation of government lies um, because it's okay, because they're the only citizens, and we're all subjects. We're all colonists. So it doesn't matter if they lie to us because we don't really count. We're just the place they draw their money from. Yeah, I'm not finding – you said this is under legal. I'm not finding. What, my article? No. What are you looking for? Hold on. Okay. I'll wait. Brandon um, Biden does things, and he brags about it, mm-hmm. like the billion-dollar check. When he does things, he brags about it. Yeah, I That's raped your wife. Uh huh. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, what do That's do what he it? done with the pipeline. He bragged yeah. about. It. He bragged about it at least twice. Well, he That's did. Right. Victoria Newland did, and uh, you know. And then this reporter says, "Well, how are you going to how are you going to take out the Nord Stream two pipeline?" And then he's then he's quoted. And this, of course, this video is everywhere now, right? And he says, "Well, trust me, we we know how to do it." Oh, really? So they already had the plan. So he basically admitted the plan. It's like when he said, uh, you know, uh, in that meeting at the Council on Foreign Relations, you know, you're not going to get the money. And he says, well, then the person said, well, you're not president. You know, he says, uh, he says, call him. You're not going to get the money. <laughs> you know, so and then he, then he has the gall to say that he and Hunter on their various trips to Europe together on Air Force Two didn't talk about Hunter's business dealings. That's impossible to believe. That's not even close. Jonathan, what did you find? Did you find your article you're looking for? No, I was saying, hold on, because it looked like there was just a clip on Fox News of a helicopter dragging something in a in a huge net. Oh, so kind of like like, uh, you know, like like Independence Day when Will Smith punches out the alien. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So it looks like they it looks like they've got there there's there is actual debris up in Alaska oh. that they have recovered. Really, um, for okay. real. So that's because a bunch of us are said, saying hoax. Okay, yeah. How, yeah. How do we know it's not just a hoax? To, and people are saying on social yeah. media, now, now which thing is this distracting us from? Is it? I forget what they said, but is it this yeah. scandal or a that scandal or the other scandal? Yeah. A helicopter wouldn't be dragging a net on the ground. No, no, it was dragged. No, it was, it was a net that was way below. When I say dragging, I don't mean it was on the ground. Sorry. You mean hanging? Hanging um, from the helicopter? Yes. Okay. But, but a very large object in a very large net over Alaska, well, not not South Carolina. Well, it must be a very large helicopter then. <laughs> must be a large helicopter. All yeah. helicopters do is beat air down. So there's only so much power to lift from those those rotary wings up top. You can lift a lot of stuff, but I mean, you know. Well, it may, I mean, there's no reason to think that that's the entire object as, as opposed to fragments. Uh-huh. Well, see, here's the thing, too. Why are they but shooting it down? Why, why aren't they capturing it? You know, where's – and here's the question, too, that I was wondering. If you've got a, if you've got a, a weather balloon, a spy balloon, at forty to 60,000 feet, you know, that's within range of our laser satellite Space Wars things, our Star Wars stuff. We've got lasers. I've, you know, I've read about them for, for years. So the question is, why would you just pop a little hole in this thing with a laser and let it kind of gently float down to Earth so we can recover it? They waited for it to cross the whole United States, then they blew it up so there'd be no evidence of, of you know, who it belongs to or what's in it. That was intentional. They could have shot it down, or they could have, like, tapped it you know, or, or, or tracked it until it came down and grab it before it goes to China. I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done. Put one bullet in it. I don't know if you can fire one round from a 
F-22 because they fire so fast. I don't know if they have selective fire, you know. But the thing is that I don't believe any of these things except the original balloon. I think everything else is a hoax because it's like when, um, you know, Osama bin Laden was killed, allegedly. Although he's probably either still alive or killed, you know, years earlier. Um, Obama's popularity went up. You know, and, and Brandon, he's capitalizing on this now because his popularity is almost as low as it can get. So I think he's, he's they're, they're making all this stuff up because it worked the first time. It's like, uh, what are they doing in movies? Uh, what's this? Sequels. This is no, the, wait a minute. This is, this is, these are sequels. Wait a minute. What? The prime minister of Pakistan, she said that Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden had been killed years ago. Yeah, Obama, uh, Rush Limbaugh said that too in a cave. They firebombed the cave and they killed him years earlier. I tend to believe that. That seems to make sense to me. Because they never, you don't hear about his body ever. What's that? She's over there. Yeah. Well, that's where he's hiding in Pakistan. So you you can read about the caves. Limbaugh talked about this, oh, several years ago. So, yeah, that that makes sense that uh, he was taken out a long time ago. Obama wanted credit for it, so he made up a story, which, as Jonathan says, that's what they do. And they don't think of it as lying. They just think of it as, you know, working. <laughs> it was normal procedure. Jonathan? Well, I, um, I, uh, no, and, and like I say, I, my experience in Delaware politics, uh, it was not as great as others, but, <clears throat> um, the, um, you know, Biden, Biden, Biden lies with every breath. Uh-huh. And he doesn't, he, you know, he has no concept that he's lying. Yeah. He, you know, he, 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 he has no concept of truth. Therefore, he, therefore he doesn't, he, he doesn't think I'm lying. Mm-hmm. He just says whatever is advantageous at the moment. And, and what's advantageous to him is, mo- is mainly whatever will make the crowd he's in front of at the moment uh, love him. Hmm. You know, he. I, I don't believe. I, I don't believe Joe Biden has ever had an agenda. All his only agenda is to be loved. He want. He wants that. He wants the activist or whatever. So you know, he would go to a hotel and speak to one conference, and say A, and then go next door to the other conference and say the opposite of A, uh, just to get applause. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. So, um, what was I just saying? So, anyway, so, um, so yeah, so this, when they're saying that, that he is amazingly quiet about all that, and um, what were you, uh, I lost track of what we were saying before, but the thing is the about um, South Carolina, I don't know, but they, um, I mean, oh, the, the, the shooting it down, uh, of course, mm-hmm. you do understand that, that we do have uh, space lasers. You know, everyone okay. wants to hate um, Marjorie Taylor Greene for, for talking about, I don't know what she said, because a lot of stuff that people, the left objects to is an, was an obvious joke. <laughs> and, and, you know, the left, like, like the FBI, like the men in black and, and, uh, in men in black, Say um, they, um, you know, they say we at the FBI, whom they're masquerading as, don't have a sense of humor that we're aware of, and and the left, 
that the, the left the left has no sense of humor that they're no. aware of. Um, <laughs> but um, so um, so what that when they say that Marjorie Taylor Greene said that you know something about Jewish space lasers, I, I doubt that that was the context in which she said it. But I don't I don't know if they're Jewish at all, except that I believe. Um, I have to go check. I believe there are were Israeli technology companies mm-hmm. that assisted the Reagan Strategic Defense Initiative. Remember, Star Wars, anti-missile defense. Well, the they were laser-guided, but they weren't lasered weapons. In other words, if I remember, uh, oh, yeah, Peter Pry, this were no, any Peter Pry. They, they were you know. both. Oh, they were? No, they were both. Okay. I worked at High Frontier. I mean, because, again, High Frontier and the SDIO, the we're pursuing a variety of um, of technologies. Okay. Um, they, you know, they were researching in in several different directions, and they 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 developed lasers um, and success and successfully tested them up to a point um, right. that could shoot down a missile coming at the United States. Mm-hmm. One one was even. Um, <clears throat> supposed to use a small nuclear explosion to create x-rays. We actually have space lasers for real in, in, uh, in our inventory. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know where this, the Jews come into that story. I have no idea. But, um, well, Israel probably has lasers because they need them to, because when the missiles come in from uh, Gaza and other places, they don't have a lot of time. You know, they have the Patriot missile battery. They have uh, uh, Iron Dome, I think, is the, the Israeli self-defense uh, system based on our missiles. So they might have their own missiles, too. I'm not sure. But lasers would be a lot more efficient and a lot faster. So I'm not sure. Well, that's, I'm, gonna look it up. I'm looking it up right the now. Idea. The problem is, is, that, is that, of course, the amount, the amount of power needed um, makes them mainly usable, useful only from the ground. But um, but we do have them, and, and there was talk about having them mounted on seven military 747s, uh-huh. and um, and uh, like I say, even even designed um, to have an, an explosion in orbit that would channel the X-rays to, uh, aimed at the um, at, at a missile. You know, so there were all kinds of. That's why when people say. When people talk about Reagan's, you know, Star Wars, they don't know what they're really talking about. It was a it was a broad-based research project into all of these different things. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think they should have shot a a single bullet through the balloon, mm-hmm. um, and um, or you know, punctured it with a laser, so that. Um, um, the, um, you know, so the, so anyway, um, they didn't want it. Now they're shooting down everything. You know, they, well, um, that's why I'm suspicious. It's the shoot down du jour. And then we've got a joke, uh, uh, F-22. In fact, I was hoping to have a meme made of this ourselves. I thought this was like four or five days ago was to have a, uh, an F-22 with like, you know, several balloon, you know, pictures on the side, like they shot him down and almost be a balloon ace. <laughs> So there's one on my Facebook page with a balloon and two, oh. two, two flying saucers. Oh yeah, we're going to do that. I just, I just couldn't get it, uh, get it done in time. And I can't, I don't know how to make them, but, uh, 
anyway, so that that's a story we'll tell sometime later. But yeah, I was all set to do that. We would have been first, but someone now I knew it was going to happen. I mean, it's it's so obvious. So someone's put a you know where the like the Nazi symbols or the the Japanese you know um, rising suns used to go on airplanes. You know they they put some. Someone doing F twenty two with a balloon and two two flying saucers on it. It's hysterical. It's on my it's on my page. But I got a couple of articles here. One says, "What's that? What's that, Jonathan?" Confirmed kill. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it has to be confirmed. Anyway, I got one from the Sun, the British press. U.S. developing its most powerful laser weapon to blast missiles out of the. And then the headline stops. Uh, I got Washington Times, Space Force working on laser defenses. And I've got Wikipedia, which knows everything, right? AN slash SEQ-3 laser weapon system. Uh, and then we've got the Air Force. Then I've got another one here, what you were talking about, Jonathan, from National Interest. The U.S. Air Force once put lasers on 747s to shoot down ICBMs. So I've got a bunch of articles on this. Here's another one here. Uh, art, 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 oh, Ars Technica. U.S. military may soon declassify a secret space weapon. Well, then it won't be secret anymore. Uh, here's one. Star Wars. The U.S. plans to use uh, laser. U.S. Army plans to use lasers for air defense. Well, why wouldn't the Air Force do that? Another get another national interest. I mean, pick one. I got plenty of articles here. We've got lasers. Lots of them. Right, but the but the thing is, is that is that the Democrats uh-huh. blocked every aspect of anti-missile defense because you know right. they love our love our enemies and they hate America. Mm-hmm. But. Um, now, of course, they they hate Russia. So, but they love um, Russia. I mean, they love the Russian Revolution. They love the communists, uh, Arm and Hammer, and all the other Western, you know, leftist communist supposed capitalists. They loved Russia. We sent wheat to Russia. They sent uh, oil to us. I mean, we've been trading with Russia ever since uh, the revolution. I don't know what we do with the czars, but you know, I mean, Russia's been our bud even though we're supposedly against each other. And yet we let our soldiers kill each other in, in Vietnam and, and Korea. Like we let our soldiers, you know, kill and die from Chinese soldiers in Korea and Vietnam. But uh, when it comes to the, the big boys, they're all buds. They all know each other. Millie's got a, got a, got a BFF, you know, in China. <laughs> yeah, his until, counterpart. Until they, until they decided they could, they could beat up Trump or whatever for, See, I think I think that. Well, we're wandering a lot here, but the thing is, is it? it yeah, we it, are. It's um, fun. <laughs> the issue is, is that um, during the entire Cold War, mm-hmm. the Soviet Union was referred to as Russia, which is manifestly totally false. Right. Um, <clears throat> they uh, and you know they talk about the Ruskies. You know everything. I mean and, and everything that the Soviet Union did, Ukraine was right in there doing it too. Um, the, the, the three leaders of the Bolshevik party, which fought the civil war and took over you know, and stole the, um, stole the revolution were Leon mm-hmm. Trotsky, a Ukrainian, right. uh, Joseph Stalin, a Georgian, mm-hmm. and uh, Vladimir Lenin, who was a Russian who spent the previous 10 years in exile in Europe. Yeah, France. So, other than his name, he didn't yeah. really have much influence in the in the Russian Revolution um, because he wasn't there. Um, but anyway, so who knows? What, why we? So why do, why do <clears throat> you know why? But but the thing is, is the Democrats believe 
Well, of course, they always believe that conservatives and the American people are stupid mm-hmm. and easily manipulated. So they think conservatives hate Russians. And my argument is, no, we hate communism. Yep. We don't hate people. We don't hate, we don't hate groups of people. You know, the, the, the left thinks in terms of groups. We don't. You know, we don't, we don't care if they're Russian or Ukrainian or Tajik or, you know, um, Uzbekistan, Uzbeks. You know, that means nothing to us. Communism mm-hmm. has destroyed much of the world and killed an estimated 100 million people. So, so the, I, I think that the, the Democrats, the left, think we're stupid and will fall for it when they attack Russia. You know, I, so I, I think one of the reasons they hate Russia is because they think we'll fall, we'll fall into line and just follow them over, over the cliff. Um, so uh, anyway, but anyway, so, the, so let's get back a little bit online here if there, if there is a, to- a topic today. Um, and the question is, do, do, do space aliens, I mean, again, uh-huh. I, I don't know if I closed the loop, but you have nope. cylindrical objects the size mm-hmm. of a car, with no apparent way to float at 40,000 feet mm-hmm. and no propulsion mechanism, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and they're not balloons, what does that, you know, what does that um, remind you of? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun more than I'm spreading a, you know, a conspiracy <laughs> theory. But, I'll go ahead, spread. But, I mean, that's, Feel free. Let's start with a good rumor. <laughs> I mean, it certainly sounds like, oh, it's out there. Um, oh, yeah. The, 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 uh, <clears throat> the, uh, you know, it certainly sounds like the early stages of a of an interstellar invasion. Um, yeah. And so the question is, that do interstellar um, travelers have a legal right? Because I'm supposed to talk a little bit about the law. Do they have oh, a legal true, yeah. right to, to invade U.S. airspace? And, well, how uh, else are they going to get here? No. And, and do they do they have a well, map of our airspace? You know, and what if Brandon killed E.T.? Let's let's really get nasty. Brandon killed E.T. It was terrible. I think he already what a, did. He, what, what, this I, is I a tragedy. Did, so. Brandon it's, killed E.T. There's a good rumor for you. <laughs> um, E.T. So couldn't think, phone home for directions. He entered U.S. airspace and Brandon killed him. E.T. I mean, a really E.T. good TV show, although it's, although it's campy. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's um, like a lot of good TV shows, like lately, it starts out making you wonder, what the hell is this? And, and but if you watch it through, it actually it actually becomes pretty good. It's Resident Alien. Oh, and what's it's that? about a guy who gets it's a guy it's a space alien who gets shot down, and um, he's supposed his, his his mission is to blow up the world, but he gets shot down by you know totally unrelated by the U.S. Air Force, and he, so he's forced to live among human society. And he's got this device that changes his appearance, but one kid can see through it. Um, and and it's just he's just this really awkward nerd trying to fit in. Um, mm. It's a guy uh, Alan Tudek from Serenity and and uh, Firefly. It's just it's just a really good. But it, again, it's a, it's the idea of a of a lone single pilot, uh, you know, single person, single alien uh, aircraft getting shot down by. Uh, by the Air Force. Also, the oh. same setup plot for the Coneheads. <laughs> you know, the Coneheads from plot. from Remulac. <laughs> you mean France? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were right. They were they were blown out of the sky. So 
So, I mean, it just sounds awfully like all this mythology. Oh, and and I I may have mentioned a long time ago, um, I was doubtful about space aliens and UFOs. I mean, remember, Carl Sagan, and this is actually vaguely relevant to the news today. (laughs) Carl Sagan... um, Carl Sagan was asked if he believes in UFOs, and he, mm-hmm. he answered. You know, Carl Sagan has long uh, been dead now, I guess, for 20 years. Billion, but he was a really popular stars in the sky. Tell me about Carl Sagan. Tell me what he said. Okay, I want to hear this. This is going to yeah, be good. So, so, Always broadcasting so, I mean, for cosmos. He. <laughs> so he said, "Well, UFO means unidentified flying object." Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that there are things that people see flying in the sky, or in the sky and they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I am I'm an absolute believer that we that people see things and don't know what they are. Um, the assumption that a, that a UFO is from you know another planet is an assumption. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I didn't believe that until the government put so much energy into trying to tell us. That there, that there are no UFOs that are space aliens and did it so clumsily and ham-handed. Um, and that made me go, wait a minute. Why, why are they trying so hard in overdrive and doing such a bad job of it to tell yeah. us, you know, even when we're not asking, you know, they're like, oh, by the way, you know that UFOs are not space Well, you know, I was talking about something else, but... Yeah, so it made me think, like, you know what? There probably are UFOs, and, mm-hmm. the, and the, the government is covering it up. And so what you wonder here say? what's going on. Shakespeare said, me thinks thou protestest yeah. too much. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, I think, so what, you know, so now suddenly we're shooting them all down. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is that is that another scam to make us believe that there are space aliens, or is it, or is it really this is the advance? Well, the advance what about what? the context that American jets pilots have been having? I, I was going to ask that. That's a great question. Yeah, because like the last few years, we've seen all these videos. You know, they've got them. They they photographed the. Was again, the the Air Force jets have cameras that they don't have pictures of the, the cylinders they're shooting down makes me think that the, this is all a hoax, that the only thing shot down was the one Chinese balloon because all these things have cameras. And they were actually able to, to freeze frame on these, you know, alien objects moving incredibly fast. Pianchi's at the right. So, Jonathan, do you remember those pictures? It wasn't that long ago. Like a year ago, maybe no, the last I mean, one? My, 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 my view of government is that they started mm-hmm. out, you know, denying that there are space aliens flying around in such a clumsy way that they made people accustomed to the idea. Then they came out with the actual uh, gun camera video. Mm -hmm. And um, for some reason, I think they want us to believe that there are space aliens. Now, the the only reason I don't, I I think it, well, uh, until (laughs) they blow us up, I think it would be fun. You know, I think if there were space aliens visiting from another planet, it would be fun until they start, you know, shooting. But the... um, but I am discouraged with the concept when I've seen analysis of how much energy it would take to travel between the stars. Mm-hmm. The, the, the distance is so vast. I don't know if it's technologically possible. 
What do you need in your propulsion system? Didn't you watch Star Trek? There's no about warp drive. Yeah, but that's, you know, uh, that's just theory. Ion um, power, gravity so, power, you know. I mean, use gravitational pull. Well, Bounce Dick, off a black hole Dick or something. Dick Tracy's watches with theory, too. Mm. Right? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But but the thing is, is that I'd be in favor of of space alien visitations, except for that. And I'm mm-hmm. not, so I'm not like, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not on either either side. Well, wait a minute. But I do. What if they're that, good? I do what, think that probably. You've talked about Michael Rennie. Remember the day the Earth stood still, with uh, mm-hmm. with with Gork or whatever his name was. Oh Gork? yes, everybody in your audience needs to write this down. Okay, right. it was good. <laughs> we it, talked about this yesterday. It, Go ahead. It may it may save your life and save the uh, um, it may save the planet. Um, because when, when the backward, stupid, reactionary uh, military and government shot the visitor from outer space in the day the Earth shut down, uh, the Earth stood still. Great mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but he told the woman that he that he got got to know the single mother. Tell Gort. That, which was the big robot, which is capable of destroying the Earth. And we're talking about the original, uh, although it's true in both of them, both the movies. He says, tell Gort, Klaatu Barada Nikto, which is stand down. Don't, you know, don't blow up, don't kill everybody. And and so she goes up to the, to the robot and the military are trying to keep her away. And <laughs> they've got tanks all around the robot and the and the flying saucer. And she says, she says it, Klaatu, Barata, Nikto, and, and the robot powers down. So that could be in our near future um, if we keep shooting things down out of the sky. <laughs> um, but, but now the question is, because there really isn't much international law except treaties. You know, mm-hmm. the left all talks about international law as if, as if it's a well-defined thing. The problem with international law is who's going to enforce it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, you know, unless there's a world government, which is what they want. So if we talk about interstellar law, you know, does the, does the, do the, the UFOs have a right to invade our airspace? You know, well, we would say, we would say no. And, and they would say, well, screw you. We're going to do it anyway. So, um, do we have a right to shoot them down over our? They may have a right to shoot back too. Oh, that's yeah. So um, you know, if you if you create a colony on Mars, the Constitution don't apply there. There's no laws. Well, that's interesting. Wait a minute, but if unless it becomes with an American government. You know, so, so let's no, go back to the, let's go back to the Spanish-American War. There was no constitution in the Philippines either until it became a, a U.S. territory. Then it became independent. So, so how about our, how about our territories? You know, before the territories. Well, I mean, you know, when does when I mean, does the constitution start applying? That, yeah, I don't know that that's automatic. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah, there's there, there's something about that. Although I think there's also. Um, a practice, at least, of other countries acknowledging it. Huh. You know, like we 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 administer Guam. Right. You know, we don't. But although we don't, we don't claim to own Guam, really. 
but it's a territory. Same, same really with Puerto Rico. Um, you know, it's not a state, it's a territory, mm-hmm. but we, um, we, um, um, <clears throat> you know, so, so it's a good question if we, and you know, Elon Musk, uh, He's a little busy right now, but I hope he I hope he's got somebody working on that because he has well, actually, to. Well, um, actually, Musk is South African. Pardon? He's an African. He's African American. Elon Musk is African. Well, I, that that is a very difficult question, including because I think Elon Musk's plan is to have a plan B uh, for humanity. So he might not want it to be a U.S. government. Uh, um, colony. He might figure if that, a, that if the a United group of people, if a group of people colonize a planet, the Constitution does not apply. They can do well, whatever they true. want to. You kill somebody, whatever. Um, they so would have it, it to would, set up their own government. Yeah. They could apply to be a state of the United States, and other countries could, you know, say, well, we're going to recognize that or we're not. Um, and, you know, and there is, I think there is a, I, I may, I mean, there's, there's some treaty, I think there, there, I think that it's been viewed that the, the treaties about international waters apply to the moon as, because it belongs to no one. But they're trying to create, you know, they're always trying to create updated treaties that are more specific and, and things. So they want something like that for the moon. I mean, you've seen in, you've seen in science fiction movies the idea that you have a, you know, a Soviet dome on the moon and a, and a U.S. dome and, um, and things like that. And sometimes they'll go to war or whatever on the moon. Um, you know, so they're trying to make a treaty saying nobody can exploit the moon, which is suppose, really uh, you got to get suppose a, a galactical ship come back and say, "What are you guys doing on our planet? We left yeah. here and came back." <laughs> That's a great question. You're right. Is that your first? That there you go. I know that would be bad. BC. Um, <laughs> that could be a problem. And, and they. Um, I mean, we could try to argue, you know, maritime law of salvage rights, and then they'll say, well, we don't, you know, we never signed that, or, uh, you know, abandonment yeah. or stuff like that. But those are those are Earth or limitations. limitations or standards. Adverse those possession. Oh, my God. Adverse possession is a thing that, that law students absolutely love or hate when they actually have to get down What's to the details mean? and put it in them. That's the idea that if you, okay. let's say you build a house and, you know, 30 years go by and you find out that there was a mistake about the boundary, that for 30 years, like, part of your house has actually been on your neighbor's land. Huh. There, there is a statute of limitations. It's basically a statute of limitations, although it's very complicated, but it's basically a statute of limitations. Like, well, if, you know, if my if, if a corner of my house has been on your land for 30 years and you didn't say anything about it, then the land belongs to me, and that's that's the law. Mm-hmm. It's a very complicated law, but that's in in a nutshell. Um, <clears throat> so um, yeah, so we'll say well, statute of limitations. You know, 
we, we claim this by adverse possession. But ultimately, might makes right. You know, whoever has the bigger lasers <laughs> is. Uh, um, this is fascinating. It's kind of, yeah. So, so um, for those, yeah. So. Let's make an announcement. Uh, Dorothy's not here today, so we're we're going to continue on here. Jonathan and Pianki, stick around as long as you want. We, yeah, I think we can we can hash out some more things this hour. This is kind of fun. Um, I want to switch over to D.C. a little bit, just because we're talking about possessions. The the Democrats trying to keep trying to make a state out of D.C., but that's illegal. Constitution prevents that. I've got Article One, Section Eight, real clearly it says to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square, which I guess it is, as may by session of particular states, and it was the land taken from the states, and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of government of the United States. Uh, and there you go. So it's, it, this has been, it has always been, and I don't know any, any other place that does this, but our, the capital of, you know, the, or the, the seat of government of the United States is separate from the states. It's not part of a state and can never be part of a state by constitution. That's where well, I got the idea for the nation of government. It really is an independent, you know, it's like Vatican City. It's an independent country. Well, it's definitely the point. But, of course, like I say, you're dealing with liberals who, were, who, who got participation trophies and points <laughs> for writing their name on the paper and who never, um, you know, were, were never spanked by their parents. They were, you know. We had to understand them, uh, according to Dr. Benjamin Spock. Right. And um, so, um, you know, so th- the idea of, of the law or the Constitution saying you can't do this is not, you know, has no meaning in their world. It's like, yeah. but I want to. Uh, so, so, <laughs> but, but no. But, that's but how I mean, they govern. That's, I mean, it's, I mean that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's the whole basis of governing. I want to. And that's yeah. it. So, I mean, now there's this wonderful um, case I think I referred to a long time ago called INS v. Chata, C-H-A-D-H-A. You have to refresh and, my memory on the facts of the case. Um, technically, it had nothing to do with the INS, except that they were a party. But Congress had this long tradition of attempting to control the regulatory agencies badly by um, um, by the the legislative veto. So if 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 Congress passed a law and and Congress passed the Administrative Procedures Act, which allows the agencies to issue um, to issue regulations filling in the blanks or to implement um, the law, although in fact they just make their own law, mm-hmm. um, that the, the, the Congress could, could veto the regulations. Um, now that was a bad, and, and the U.S. Supreme Court argued from the structure of the Constitution that a law is passed by Congress and presented to the president for signature or veto. Mm-hmm. And they said that the that the regulatory the, the congressional veto would violate that process. So it was not explicitly prohibited. Which process? But it was prohibited by 
Well, the fact that regulatory agencies have regulations and Congress couldn't veto them, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, yeah, because because they're, Congress said they're making a new law when they when they were by by trying to change change it. Now, Congress could directly Congress could just fix its mistake and and amend the Administrative Procedures Act, but you know that's not how how they roll. Um, so they they create a mess and then they try to create a new mess to remedy the old mess. Um, so the the but the Supreme Court said that but the but the point is that they argued from the what they called the architecture of this of the the Constitution the way it's designed. So for example, the idea that the purpose of having a District of Columbia is that it not be dependent upon any um, state. Okay. So if you make if you make DC a state, you're clearly violating what um, you know the purpose of having a District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. It's to make it it's to make it uh, not part of any state. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But in doing so, it's a rather unfortunate byproduct that they, because of the power they've gained unjustly, because of uh, you know everything that they have done to suppress the states, particularly as I say in my article, 1913, you know the year that freedom died. Uh, the Senate, the, the states lost their Senate representation. We lost our money in the Federal Reserve Act, uh, and Congress gained the ability to tax directly without using the states as a as an intermediary, which they should be through apportionment. And uh, you know, the states collect the taxes, and then the states pay the feds. So, in losing those things, we right. became colonists, and the states became colonies. They have no power. They have no representation. They have no power. Uh, we don't have money, and and they can and the federal government can tax us directly. So we need to reverse those three things are the three most important things to reverse before we're ever going to get our, our, our citizenship fully back or at least be full right. citizens participating. So, but back yeah. to DC, is, uh, you know, so, so, so ideally DC was supposed to be separate. Um, and I think that the original idea, which makes sense was that it wouldn't be part of a state. No state would have control over DC and no state would gain from having DC. So actually it accomplished two things, but that's not how it worked out because of what happened later in well, 1913. Now, but part of the controversy, yeah, absolutely. But part of the controversy too, is that um, <clears throat> you have what's, what, what one may call the federal city which are all the federal buildings. And then mostly, well, a little bit to the south, but mostly to the north, you have residential areas that have nothing to do with the the federal government. Um, See, I don't think D.C. should have residential areas. I don't don't think people should live there because it is a separate entity. It's not part of a state. Those people that live there have no state citizenship for the 14th Amendment. Even though they're citizens of the United States, they're not citizens of a state, which is guaranteed by, I don't know if it's guaranteed by the 14th Amendment, but it says that any resident, any, any citizen of the United States is also a citizen of the state in which they reside, which means if you're not in a state, you're not a citizen of that state. And there is no state in D.C., so Washington, D.C. residents are not citizens of a state. They only have half their citizenship. No, that's true. So, I mean, of course, the, <clears throat> there has been a lot of response to um, that the residential areas of, of Washington, D.C. should be 
should be um, ceded to Maryland. That would make sense. May, may, well, it would, but that's why it'll never happen. Um, you <laughs> so know, you go again. It, it would make. How about Virginia? Make, I mean, some parts should well, go to Virginia the, too. The, part, the, the corner, the corner there of the of the of the um, the corner of the uh, diamond shape was ceded mm-hmm. back to Virginia. When Virginia, I, th- I, I think during the Civil War, the the uh, Virginia took it back. Well, that's interesting. And they still have. Well, so that's why it was originally a, a you know a box on its on turned forty five degrees. It was um, mm-hmm. you know a diamond shaped a diamond square. Right. And um, there's this big missing piece at the at the river. In fact, in fact, in fact, the, pretty much the worst parts of Virginia politically are in that <laughs> in that place. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's, it's, like, it's, it's like it's cursed. We need to have a exorcist. But um, <laughs> um, so um, the uh, so, so so yeah. So I mean, it, it's been done that part of the land of the District of Columbia has been returned back to the original state. Huh. Um, and what they, you know, what they, but, but the federal government should be, <clears throat> you know, should be, should be separate. And the idea too is, is like the constitution says that Congress governs that, the, the district. Right. So there should be and no DC government because, of any kind. You can't have a mayor of DC because right. Congress is in charge. So that has to be abolished too. But that, but that changed when there were so many res, residential areas mm-hmm. that it just seemed wrong, and so the you know the Congress decided to um, you know to by by law create the D.C. government and and allow you know what they call home rule. But that's not the Constitution. The Constitution. No, they can't would, do that. The Constitution. The Constitution yeah. would be consistent with the idea that you have um, that you have only the federal district and no local government, mm-hmm. whereas all of the resi- all of the residential parts of the District of Columbia should should not be part of the of the of the district. Well, of course, of course we we. It, the, the the constitution does not give it a name; it just calls it a district. Uh, but the District of Columbia, um, you know, should consist only of the seat of the federal government. Yep. And so <laughs> so that, that 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 federal city should be governed by Congress, and but that does not mean that the the people who live today in Washington D.C. should be governed by Congress. They shouldn't. They should be part of another state. Well, you could actually call it the Citizen Restoration Act. You know, state citizenship restoration. They need to be repatriated back to a state so they have full representation because the rest of us do. I'm represented by Florida. You're represented by Virginia. Bianchi's represented by, you know, Missouri. So we, we have state citizenship. Part of being an American, I, I don't know if you call it dual citizen. That's not quite accurate. But we have multiple. We have state and federal citizenship. 
and each has different rights. You know, there's there's there's, a, there's a, which which gets the question I have that I've been asking for a while is why haven't the states repatriated or extradited their citizens from the D.C. Gulag? They're being held outside the United States. They're being held in a district that is really acting like a foreign country. Because Maryland is run by Democrats, right. and they want another two senators from the <laughs> District of Columbia. Yeah, so that's Democrats another reason to put the residents. Want. Yeah, that's actually another good reason to put the residents in in Maryland. So they they could have more Democrats in Maryland. I don't care. That's you know, but there should be no res. There shouldn't be residents in D.C. And there certainly certainly shouldn't be a government in D.C. except of Congress. So where's the where's the claim? And I think we I don't know if we've asked this before, but you know, what's the procedure? Or should we make a new procedure? What if what about Texans who are in the D.C. Gulag? Floridians who are in the D.C. Gulag? Uh, let's say Wyoming is, you know, but people from different kind, different states are in the D.C. Gulag. They've got what, a couple hundred people in there for over for almost two years of pretrial <clears throat> detention, as they call it. Basically, Gulag political prisoners. But why haven't the states gone after their own people? Do they not have any well, imagination? Do they not think about things like this? Are we the only ones that come up with this stuff? No. You, you could just end it at they don't think. They're politicians. They don't, uh, you know, they're, 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 they react to what's in the news. They don't think, except for, like, um, got, you know, Governor DeSantis, and now it looks like Governor Huckabee, and um, kind well, of Yankee Governor Yankee. Yeah. Duncan is good. And Christy yeah. Noem up in South Dakota is not bad either. Christy Noem is the only governor that didn't lock down something. DeSantis actually did. I, mean, I want to talk about DeSantis because I've got a theory. I want a theory I want to read by you folks that uh, this whole draft DeSantis movement is either Democrat-inspired, Democrat-Rhino-inspired, but uh, I don't think he's in it. I don't see him making any great leaps or, or voices. I think the, this, is, this is about Rhinos and Democrats. And uh, My term for Rhinos is transgender Democrat, but just for the sake of clarity. You've got establishment Republicans and, and Marxist Democrats combining to try and bring DeSantis in and bring him in in such a way that uh, it takes votes from Trump. It seems to be a total setup, just like the aliens being shot down. Total, none of it's yeah, true. But you, you mean like a trans-political? Um, Who? Uh, Did you just make that up? But anyway. Did you just make that up? So, yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree. Because, okay. no, I, I do think that DeSantis, I mean, I think that the reason DeSantis, you know, and I've never talked to him. I've, I, I met Governor Youngkin several times when he was on the mm-hmm. campaign trail, but I've never been in the same room. No, I was in the same room with him at CPAC, and DeSantis was was magnificent. I, I think he's the oh, most he's skilled and capable. I like DeSantis. Person. Yeah, but that's not my – yeah. the, the issue is, is, is different than that, and we'll talk about it because I think it's worth exploring. I think it's a setup. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that, but because mm-hmm. but see but see why doesn't why doesn't DeSantis shoot that down like a like a balloon over Montana? Um, because I think he realizes that Trump could be indicted. Trump Trump is trying to push Trump. You know, any, any, I mean, okay. I think I think that DeSantis is handling it perfectly, and I and I do not okay. think I do not think that uh, 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 DeSantis has finished the job in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from what I can see, there's an awful lot of when I was down there. There's <clears throat> there's an awful lot of poverty still in 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 
in Florida, an awful lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And um, but if if something happens and Trump becomes unavailable, and DeSantis stayed out of the mudslinging, mm-hmm. he'll be the hero. That's what I think is like he is such a great politician that he knows when to shut up. And he knows that if 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 Trump cannot run, he will be, you know, he will be he will be the savior, DeSantis. Oh, yeah, he'd absolutely be my second choice, but he's not my first choice. But I think no, but it, but it's go ahead. No, but I mean, what if Trump really is indicted? What if what if the Democrats get him off the ballot on big states? Because he, you know, fomented an insurrection, supposedly. Then I think we should you boycott know, the. If, I think we should boycott the election because that would be such a crime of such magnitude, of such bogus nature that anybody who's a decent person should just stay out of the election because it's not an election anymore. It's communist selection at that point. If Trump's removed from the ballot, you know, for for any reason, is being removed from big tech. The arrogance of these people is staggering. Do they think they could remove a sitting president? I watched them with Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the other folks there. You know, they, they have their allegiances to the United Nations and the Declaration of Human Rights, which is a collective slave agreement between uh, everybody in the world and, and the U.N. It's a horrible document. I've, we've been over on the air. But that's what they think. They believe in that crap. They believe in, in groupthink and, uh, you know, one, one, one world government, you know, under them. <laughs> you know, as opposed to one nation under God. Um, and I, I think I think um, mm-hmm. I think they assume we believe it too. No, we don't though. Yeah. Well, well they, the they don't know what we believe. Do, do they? Does it ever cross their minds to think about what we believe, or do they just assume we think like they do in Washington? No, I think they really think we believe because they say these things as if it's going to motivate us. Okay. You know, I, the, the way they talk about these things is like, can you believe? Trump said this. It's like, well, yeah, I've been saying that for, you know, 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, All right. You know, so, so I, think, I think they actively try to shock us with things that are just standard, normal beliefs of, of any rational person. Yeah. Um, so apparently they think that, um, um, you know, that we're going to believe any of this stuff. Like, like Medicare and, and Social Security. I mean mm-hmm. – Unless you were born yesterday, I mean, is there anybody who who hasn't hear, heard for the last, um, you know, 50 years this lie that the, the Republicans are going to cut Social Security, Medicare, and yet they never do? Well, they can't. First you know, of all, political suicide. But they've never they've never said that they never said anything of the kind. That's just purely made up stuff. Right. See, this is where the Republicans are, are wimpy. They don't understand psychological warfare. They should immediately say the Democrats want to control uh, your life so much that you're never going to have heat. You never have energy. You'll have no light. You'll watch only Democrat-controlled TV. You won't have sporting events. You'll never be able to drive anywhere. You'll never be able to take a vacation. Your life is going to be miserable, and they'll be in charge. I mean, that's what they should be saying. I mean, I'm pretty good at this psychological warfare stuff. I would be at the border handing out cards saying, don't get too comfortable. Trump's coming. You know, don't expect to stay. I mean, I would be putting such doubt in all their minds. I'd be, if I were the Republican leaders right now, I'd be broadcasting on a, on a daily and hourly basis. You can't stay here. Don't get comfortable. It's not going to last. We're going to seize everything you own. You know, that's what I'd be doing. I'd make them scared as hell. And they're not scared. They're staying in hotels and complaining that they don't have good enough room service. 
strange situation. But the Republicans are gutless. Well, they have no imagination. They have no creativity. They haven't hired us, which is their biggest mistake, you know, and paid us, you know, a thousand bucks an hour to do the things that we can do best. <laughs> we just come up with ideas that they don't have. But they're not even engaged. They're not there. They're not involved at all. That's the problem. They don't engage. I think we lost Pianchi. Here's my statement. Here's my question for you, though. I think, my conspiratorial side, I think that DeSantis and Trump have already worked out a game plan. I don't think they've met personally because it would be too obvious if DeSantis showed up at Mar-a-Lago, but I'll bet you they've talked on, on some secure line or some secure Zoom or they've done something to arrange this whole thing as to how they're going to debate and what they're going to call each other and how bad it's going to get and they're going to joke about it afterwards. I think they've already planned out the campaign that there's going to be a fake opposition between Trump and DeSantis. Trump's going to win, and DeSantis is going to come in in four years. That's what I think. But, Trump, but DeSantis is not going to be Trump's vice president. Kerry Lake is. And DeSantis is going to run in 2028. That's how I think it's going to go. Well, it could be. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that – I think that – uh, that Ron DeSantis is too good of a politician and too skilled mm-hmm. to run against Trump. That's but another good point. That's, that's another good point. That, that makes perfect sense. But, but that does not mean that he's not running because like I say, this is, you know, both Biden and Trump are, are old. Uh, Trump looks 20 years, you know, looks and acts and thinks 20 years, 30 years younger than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but what, you know, I, 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 I think that, I think that, that DeSantis is a smart enough person to say, you know, I, I, my shot is better on a clean field than, than going toe to toe with Trump and, and Trump, you know, there, there are reasons why Trump it would be, would be good. I mean, cause, cause I, as I said in 2016, mm-hmm. Trump is a wrecking ball. You know, it's like, it's like, and that's exactly what we needed. Mm-hmm. We, you know, he, he's so, you know, I, I think we're DeSantis. Now, unfortunately, I, I didn't realize that DeSantis, I guess Florida has term limits. So, yes. so DeSantis, it, he, he is out of office January, 2025. So that's no. bad. No, I don't think so. Is he? I, I don't think so. so. No, I think he just he just wanted to, he just won a four year term uh, last year. Okay, yeah, Always. you're right, you're right. So, but so he, I mean, he should serve out his eight years, but he can't serve sixteen. Mm-hmm. But but I think that that he's not done with Florida, and I think Trump's not done. You know, knocking down, you know, being the demolition, um, demolition crew, destroying. <laughs> Well, now, so, so what do you think he's going to do differently this time? I mean, I know what he should do differently this time. What do you think he's going to do differently? I, I think he's probably going to make all the same mistakes. That's the saddest I thing. Mean, I mean, he's, he, you he don't think he learns? He certainly, do you don't think he learns from his mistakes? I mean, I do. I think he's too stubborn. Okay. I think, he, I think he's smart enough, and everybody's told him, uh, although if he doesn't have Kushner and Ivanka in the, you know, I, I think he's learned 
I think, I, I mean, I, I think the left attacking him, they don't realize how they've hardened. You know, if he could have gone both ways, mm-hmm. he, they burned their bridges with him. There's no compromise uh, so now. He may, no. Yeah. He may do a better job of <clears throat> of hiring people who are loyal to him. Although mm-hmm. we have to remember that in 2015, there was this big push, uh, you know, to get all of the foreign policy experts, I mean, anybody mm-hmm. with credentials in foreign policy in, in D.C., to boycott right. Trump and say, you Why? know, every, now you have to, you have to, you have to you raise your hand and swear you will never work for, the, for a Trump administration, hmm. um, both because he was going to get us into a nuclear war mm-hmm. and he won't, uh, he won't he back never, He never said it like on Bolton. I don't know where this came from, that, that Trump was all of a sudden going to get us into war. He never talked about it. He never hinted about it. He talked about building up our military for defense. He talked about controlling some of the other countries, but not once did you ever get the slightest hint that uh, he actually was interested in a war, unlike John Bolton, Nikki Haley, and all the other permanent war class. Uh, Lindsey Graham. Right. These people talk about, they're always talking about going to war somewhere because to them, you have to be at war somewhere. That's what Ukraine's about. Ukraine came about well, because again, we surrendered in Afghanistan. We have to be at war somewhere, according to them. It's again, the ama- yeah, because you have to keep the profits flowing. The, you know, the spice must well, flow. Well, it's a business. Yeah, it's a business and it's a propaganda war. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if people, if people have seen Dune, the spice must flow at all costs. <laughs> so the war, the war profit, the war profits must flow. Yep. Um, no matter what, it, no, no matter what we have to do to make to, to keep the money flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, so anyway, so uh, I forget, but <clears throat> but but no, they said it about Ronald Reagan, and this is what we've got to learn, and what they don't think. You know, there is nothing except for specific details, like on such and such a night, such and such happened. But the themes, they mm-hmm. never change. And this yeah. is what, like, there's this one guy who's, who's flacking for DeSantis on Twitter nonstop. While, you know, he's saying he was a Trump supporter, but now he's changed his mind. And, you know, my, my, my argument with this is, like, you know, dude, do, do, you, you know, everything they're saying about Trump <laughs> – they, they they said it four year five years ago. Yeah. Well, no, seven eight years ago now. So they're saying that um, you know Trump is losing support. You know the last thing he said, no, he's done it now. You know uh, <laughs> people are walking away from him, and like okay maybe you know that's possible, but you said the exact same. What did you just dust off your old press releases, and you know and and uh, edit them a little bit. They're, they're, <laughs> They're the exact same things they told us in 2015. Mm-hmm. And, you know, jo- um, Gerald Ford is quoted in the New York Times. I have a, a meme of it, you know, a copy of it. Um, he says, Reagan can't win. I mean, the themes never change. Yeah. And, and it's like Social Security and Medicare. The, Dem- the Republicans are going to cut your Social Security and Medicare. And they never do. Um, they never have. And they never and will. They never- and what is wrong with the American people that that they, you know, that they some of them fall for it? I mean, why was why was Slow Joe in Tampa, Florida, last week? 
And, and he even said, even after the even after the Congress, the Republicans in Congress laughed him down in the State of the Union. He still came out to Tampa and said the Republicans want. He says like this: they can't wait to cut your social. Security. He didn't just say they're going to cut your social security. He said they can't wait. They're like hungering. They're just like you know. They get up every day thinking about how can I cut social security today. And you know, and that doesn't make Tampa, sense anyway. Why would they? Why would they do that? I mean, you know, it's a program of working I, it people. It doesn't who make any sense. Office, you know? Who knows? It does, no, it doesn't. Well. You know, you're absolutely right with what's going on as, as far as, you know, the same old theme, but the same old people, they keep falling for it in the same way. They get all defensive, you know, rather than saying, rather than attacking the Democrats. I said, you know, and they, there's no imagination. There's no creativity in their arguments. There's nothing, you know, that they, you know, instead of saying that, they say, well, you know, instead of lying about us, let us tell the truth about the Democrats. Here's what they've cut from you. They've cut your energy. They've cut your food. They're killing chickens. You know, they're, they're taking away your eggs. You know, they're, they're, they're getting rid of your, your beef. You know, they're taking away all your basics. You know, you can't live as an American anymore in a Democrat-controlled America. I mean, that would be my theme. I just made that up. Literally just made it up. But, you know, the, instead yeah, of, they're always hard. trying to actually... No, I mean, saying if these people were actually think, you know, you said you just made it up. Imagine yeah, if these professionals... You know, could just spend, you know, if they, if they spend a couple days on doing what took you three minutes, you know, why couldn't they do this? No, um, a second. I, I literally thought of it as I said it. It was like a fraction of a second before. No, and I've made the offer several times to, to the, uh, the, the grand old geldings to hire me, uh, and I will write their talking points. And I'll support Action Radio on it. You know, we've got more ideas. Look at the language we come up with, the gelding old party. You know, uh, the, the transgender Democrats. I mean, it, most of it's against Republicans because they're the only hope. I mean, the Democrats are already lost. And I don't have another party that I can go to, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we make up new, you know, how about organic? You know, you know how I started calling fossil fuels organic fuels about three or four months ago? There was a, there was a turning point guy in Australia, uh, the, the turning point USA Australian representative in a speech said, we have to start calling fossil fuels organic fuels. I'm like, yes. Or what was another one I started doing? The D.C. Gulag. I've been calling it the D.C. Gulag almost since we had political prisoners and calling them political prisoners. Now that's an election. Most people are using that kind of language. So things we come up here work. We're just way ahead of everybody else. We think of them faster. I would write a plan for the, for the geldings that would be so strong in attacking Democrats you know, in all possible ways. It's the same thing with, with uh, when a gun bill comes out. First thing Republicans say, well, you can't do that. The Second Amendment says this. You're violating the rights of Americans. No. What you do is that we got a better idea. We're going to give tax credits for, for gun ownership so that, uh, you know, underprivileged minorities can have the same access to uh, as, white, as rich white people. I mean, that's how I do it. Another one just ripped off the top of my head. We just the, the, we are an ideas force here. And yet they don't hire us. They don't even have the imagination to hire us to do the things that they can't do. They can't even see that we can do things that they can't do. That's how bad it is right now, Jonathan. I make up more yeah, ideas. They just listen to my show. They could, they, could, they could save a fortune on consulting fees, which I wish they wouldn't. I wish they'd hire me, simply by listening to the show because we come up with all those things all the time. Right. So, hmm. um, no, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, it's, like, it's almost like you're not even trying, or as Chris Plant, the radio sh- uh, show host, says, um, you know, they're not on our side. Um, well, tell me about Chris Plant. Um, uh, you've mentioned him before. Who is he? Can we get him on the show? Do you know him? Should we call in? Well, I guess on the no, time we are, or he's he, on earlier. Who's... 
He's, he is, um, WMAL radio is the main radio station in, in Washington, D.C. Um, Mal radio. Them. <laughs> Mal radio. That's interesting. Okay, go ahead. Huh? You said WMAL. Well, that's Mal. The, MAL is Mal. That means sick. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Oh, that's true. But, uh, but and, 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 and he is the dominant local host. They, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they used to play Max Limbaugh. And um, he's syndicated a little bit, but mm-hmm. he, mainly, he mainly dominates Washington, D.C. And it's funny because everybody listens to WMAL. Hmm. The right because they love it and the, and, and the left because they fear it. Um, and well, he, and he's just, so, so I'm just saying he used to be a CNN, CNN reporter. And so he, you know, he rips CNN apart. But anyway, so, so no, I, I, I think, uh, I don't think he would um, necessarily be a guest unless he just feel, you know, feels like it. Although he, he, although he does have a lot of, he does have a lot of fun with his stuff. So he might, he might enjoy it. What but time anyway, does he broadcast? So, no, what time does he broadcast? Nine to noon. And then Don oh. Bongino, Don, Don Bongino comes on. Um, so okay. anyway, what was I, what were we saying though? But, um, no so, ideas from um, the GOP. Well, the point, the point, I mean, the, thing, the, the reason I mentioned him is cause I, I, I don't want to be a plagiarist in, in too much, you know, but, but one of his, one of his taglines is, uh, you know, at the end of every, every story that he reads and he, you know, he does news stories like, like, you, you, which is not what other people do, but he, you know, he reads things in the news and comments on them. Um, I do and, that. Um, but you you have more free wheeling, wheeling discussion and analysis and original ideas. Uh, but anyway, well, so he'll but he'll end up he'll end up with every story saying you know pause because they're not on our side. Huh. And I'm just giving him credit for uh, for it uh, okay. because it's true. These guys they wake up every day, Republican or Democrat, and they're you know, from the day they pour their coffee, they're mm-hmm. not on our side. Yeah. They're not thinking about how can we win. They're thinking about, you know, I don't know what they're thinking about, but I assume it's like, how can I get a lobbyist check today? They're not <laughs> putting any energy or, or, or effort into how can we make the country better for, for the American people. Um, they're, you know, they're, <clears throat> they're, they're putting all their thoughts and energy into how can we fool them today? Um, so, um, you know, how can we make them think we're helping the American people while we're really not? Anyway, so I don't know where where we were before. I'm completely lost. And that's okay. No, but, this is. Um, I, I, see, I'm I'm so ADHD. You can't track a subject on my show because I don't I don't do that. I mean, I think in terms of multiple subjects you know, ripping back and forth. But that's where the ideas come from, too. So, so I'll be rambling on something incoherently, and then something will come out of that very quickly, like, uh, like a way to attack, you know, the, like whatever I just said earlier. I don't have to go back and listen to what I said. It's already gone. <laughs> that's how fast things move through my brain. Um, but it's interesting. I'm just looking at my notes. I think we've covered everything I wanted to cover today. We haven't talked about the food a lot. Well, here's something that I found interesting. Uh, you know, Steve Kirsch, the guy that came out with the, uh, the Brandon plan, 
uh, to blow up Nord Stream 2 pipeline. He just put out something this morning before I came on the air um, about drafting uh, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr. for president. I find that fascinating. Another Kennedy, but a conservative Kennedy. Guy, one... Go ahead. Is this the guy who supposedly died or another one? <laughs> no. No. Now, this is, Josie talks about uh, um, John Kennedy Jr. J.J.? John John? Okay. Who died in the airplane accident off Nantucket several, many years ago. That's uh, George Magazine. George, he funded the, the original George Magazine. Now there's like George too. That's uh, Josie works with. But she says that uh, JFK is still alive. I tend to doubt it um, because I've seen no evidence okay. to, to say that he would be. But RFK Jr. is still alive. And he, he's the one has, uh, this, it's a weird disease that makes his voice sound funny. His voice sound bad. So he has trouble talking. But you got to listen to him. Yeah, but he runs children's well, self-defense. Anyway, so He's like Seymour pure Hirsch anti-vax. Yeah. What's that? Seymour Hirsch is not a conservative. No, no this and, is Steve Kirsch. This is someone different. Steve Kirsch, not, not Seymour Hirsch. There's two different people here. Oh, okay. Steve Kirsch is the well, one anyway, that's broadcasting all the, uh, uh, the stuff about how dangerous the vaccines are, the non-vaccines. Excuse me. All right. Yeah. Well, think about Seymour Hersh then, because this is fascinating that uh, this whole thing came out. Now, the, the news didn't pick it up anywhere as, as much as I thought they would. You know, they never even, do. even the Well, the, the liberal ones, I didn't, but I mean, the conservative ones didn't even do it. I mean, it was on the news. I mean, Chanel Rion did a little bit on One American News, but this is an act of war. So the question is, how do, and I think I, we were talking about this the other, uh, Jonathan and I talked off the air a lot. Um, so what are the Russians going to do about this? So we've blown up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, the main gas source for Western Europe from Russia. We've blown up three of the four pipelines. I guess we, something didn't blow up. We had the help of Norway doing it. We used the military operation and exercise to cover it. Uh, they dropped a son of boy three months later. Then they blame Russia for blowing up their own pipeline, which was always funny. I thought either we did it or China did it. I thought China would do it to start a war between Russia and the United States. And then they could just take over what was left. That would make sense to me. Well, it makes sense. Some people thought you, you trained did it. Why would they do it? Because they hate Russians. But how would they do it? Um, how would they do it? Yeah, that, I'm not sure they could do it. Yeah, okay. Well, here's another question, too. You, all, the Russians, if the Russians hate Ukraine so much, why did they station all their nuclear weapons in Ukraine? That the Ukrainians later well, gave they up. Did. That's, that's, that's a total, I mean, that is such a, the, the, this whole idea, I mean, here's, here's, what I finally decided. Okay. Ukraine is guilty as hell of everything that Russia ever did. In fact, they did it side by side. They did it together. They did it hand mm-hmm. by hand. They did it shoulder to shoulder. Interesting. And so Ukraine has come up with this guilt complex myth that it's all Russia's fault and Ukraine is the victim. I mean, I mean, this is, this is the thing. Like, I mean, look, I don't, really care who wins. I think it was a terrible, awful tragedy and, uh, that Russia invaded. I think it was horrific that it wouldn't mm-hmm. happen because it, it would be stupid. And then they did it, cause it and it was still stupid when they did it. But this idea of, you know, these grievances back and forth, like we're supposed to be drawn into their grievances. You know, I, I think that if Donald Trump were president I mean, like, where are the U.N. resolutions? Where, where are the speeches before the U.N.? I think Trump would go there and say, this ends now. 
You know, yep. no more war. Stop it. You know, yeah. and we, you know, and if you That's don't what stop I said. it, you know, I'm pulling, I'm pulling the car over, and and you're going to be sorry. Um, but yeah. um, at the same time, you know, we're supposed to care uh, about Crimea. Ukraine and and Russia stole Crimea from the Ottoman Empire. It's like so so you know, Russia took you. Crimea from Ukraine, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the both of you took it from Turkey. <laughs> so you know, Crimea River. Wait a minute, wasn't the, wasn't the uh, the charge of the Light Brigade or the you know the the into the Valley of Death Road the six hundred? Wasn't that the Crimea? It was Wouldn't the, the British have? War. Yes, it was. Didn't the British have it well, in the eighteen hundreds? The Crimean War was this this you know another absolutely stupid close to world war i mean it was a regional war but all, all the powers of, i mean because and that was like that was just that was another russia hating exercise by by england and and some european powers and um <laughs> the um you know so so russia and you, which the russian empire included ukraine and mm-hmm. lots of other things and of course ukraine is closer so when they fought, you know, uh, the Ottoman Empire over Crimea, the Ukraine was heavily involved, and so they, <clears throat> so they went and uh, and they they fought with Turkey, uh, the Ottoman Empire, that part of the Ottoman Empire, and right. I and someone was commenting on land of how, you know, no, they didn't just, you know, I I don't know what the origins of that war were, but but I have. Comments that it was it's far more complex and more back and forth than just the Russian empires walked in and, and stole the Crimea. But so so they 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 acquired Crimea, and for some God for sake, you know, some reason un, unknown, the uh, England and all these European countries decided to you know to run. To, to rush in and fight uh, Russia over mm-hmm. Crimea, <laughs> and and that was when you know I don't know if it was on cri- the Crimean soil or if it was related to, but you know on other soil, but it was related to the Crimean War. That's when the charge of the Light Brigade happened, and um, and and again it was driven by this arrogant attitude that we're so powerful we will crush the Russians. You know, in a week, <laughs> that you know, that's one of the causes of war. That's that's what happened with the right. war a year ago. Is that it'll all be over by years, Christmas? Everybody... <laughs> World War One. Yeah, it'll all be over exactly. by Christmas. Right. Yeah. Same thing. I just happened to have AA, the uh, American Hero Channel, mm. on about the origins of World War One, mm-hmm. as I was starting to go to sleep last night, and it showed exactly that. How everybody was. They were at the recruiting lines. You know, they were dancing. They were like, this is great. You know, we're going to go out there in glory and, you know, and just crush the the Germans, and we're going to be back by Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it, that arrogant attitude, you know, you, you, it's, it's, like, it's like Trump calling Putin a genius. If you underestimate your enemy, you are, setting, you, you are walking into a buzzsaw. I mean, so so this attitude that Russia is I'm not, it doesn't mean that Russia is good, obviously, but if you if you think they're easy to beat, you are you know walking into trouble. <laughs>
but anyway, so so the idea it just drives me crazy because it's like it's like a gang of jewelry thieves who uh, <clears throat> you know robbed a jewelry store and they're fighting over who gets to keep the jewels. It's like, well, yeah. you know, Crimea is not your either one of yours. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the Russians and it's not the Ukrainians. So you know, boo hoo. You know, does well, that mean it's okay for Russia to invade Ukraine? Of course not. But, you know, everybody grow up. <laughs> it reminds me of Afghanistan. So everybody has a claim to Afghanistan except the Afghanis. They can't have it. The Crimeans, were there Crimeans? I mean, where, where was this? In fact, Ukraine, was the, what was Ukraine originally? Was it, is it a made-up country of, of Eastern Europe, or was it actually, you know, a longstanding Ukraine, thousands Ukraine of your country? Is where, Ukraine is where Russia started. Russia oh, okay. was born in Kiev. Oh, interesting. So for 1,200 years, Russia and Ukraine were identically the same country, the same society, the same people. That's, mm-hmm. why, the, that's why the war is so bloody. It's like, it's like the U.S. Civil War. They're the right. same people with the same training, with the same weapons, yep. and, you know, the same strategies. Mm-hmm. They know each other's strategies, and they're just murdering each other, and, you know, just like in the U.S. Civil War. So for twelve yeah, Sun Tzu years, would have had something to say about that. Yeah, Sun Tzu would have what? said, "Don't do it." <laughs> Sun Tzu, the the ancient Chinese warrior, yeah. would have said, you, "Don't fight equals. You don't fight when you're equal. You don't." Really? Did he say that? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Sun Tzu said, yeah, "Well, well, I've got I've got his quotes. If you got a minute, <laughs> once you finish your point, I'll pull up Sun Tzu's quotes." Well, that that's that's the thing. It's like you know, yes, it's a horrible tragedy, but uh-huh. there the problem is there are no angels in this. In this, I mean, what I mean, it, Trump should get up there if he if he had been president. Of course, it never would have happened. And he says, "Look, UN, you take control of Crimea and make it an inner. You know, Russia wants a port. Okay, Russia's not going to back down. They're not going to agree to anything if they don't get a port. So fine, right. we'll give you a port. You know, over near Crimea, and you give back the rest of the land, and you don't get Crimea, and you don't get it either, Ukraine." And Turkey mm-hmm. is not really the Ottoman Empire. Turkey is just, you know, uh, a remnant. So, you know, listen, let's make Crimea, uh, you know, under UN territory, and none of mm-hmm. you get it. And Trump should sh- Trump should sail the U.S. Navy into the port, the Ukrainian port of Odessa, which is the real prize. Mm-hmm. I mean, the port of Odessa, it, you know, is the crown jewels as far as this this entire thing. But any port, you know, I was in Riga, Latvia, when the U.S. Coast Guard, which is not a Navy ship, that's far from home, came in and did a two-week friendship visit. Mm-hmm. And I went out and did the tour. So, you know, Zelensky could say, hey, U.S. Navy, you want to come in and uh, do some R&R and get some supplies and come on in? It's like, well, that's fine. You know, how about if we stay there for 10 years? You know, that's a lot of R&R, but, you know, so dare Russia to fire on Odessa with U.S. Navy ships at port. That makes sense. Good morning. I, I see your reservation. Uh-huh. The only thing that I need from you is the adult. Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there. I just have should a... I, should okay. I mute you? Do you want to have a conversation? <laughs> well, um, I well, I was outside and... and all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute Jonathan for just a second while he he has a a conversation with somebody. So Jonathan, you're mute now, so you can uh, talk to your person. 
<laughs> and then I'll bring it back in just a second here. Only because I have somebody who's on the air, and, and uh, I don't want them to be on the air when they don't know they're, they're on the air, so I have to do that. All right. Let me check in back in with Jonathan again here. Do, do, do you have something no, to take care of, or uh, are you back? Yeah. Well, she obviously ignored the fact that I was on the phone. Um, but <laughs> Apparently. The, uh, she's, on the, she's on the show now. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so, I mean, so, you know, is, you know, the idea that we, you know, we side with Russia or we support Russia or anything like that, you know, no, but, 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 I mean, like I say, what bugs the heck out of me are arguments that don't make sense. You know, I didn't used to care about marijuana. I just don't care. But when they start using BS arguments, then that just bugs the heck out of me. Um, so, um, you know, so, so whether, whether we should, I mean, I mean, technically, something you said earlier I was going to react to is that basically I'm amazed that Russia has not already treated half a dozen things as, 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 a, as a de facto war by the United okay. States against Russia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I, think, I think Putin has shown restraint. I'm not saying, you know, I, I want him to do something, but, um, you know, I'm amazed we're not in a, in a full-blown World War II or World War III already. Well, it's only because of Putin that we're not, because our, our idiots, the idiocracy, the, the John Bolton, Lindsey Graham, uh, Brandon with two brain aneurysm, you know, non-functioning resident at the White House, uh, I did say resident, uh, they have no clue. They don't understand the complex. They don't understand the, what they're doing. And if you study World War One, World War I is fascinating to me. World War One is the death of, of the aristocracy. Because you had these aristocratic generals that never served in the trenches in their life, ordering men to run into, uh, you know, machine guns and barbed wire day after day after day for four years. And they didn't have a problem with it. That to me is insanity. But that's World War I. But it was never going to happen again because, you know, all the rest of the generals had at least some combat experience and were in the trenches and worked their way up. So they're never going to do that to their troops again. But when you separate the people when you separate the, 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 the royalty, the monarchies and the aristocracies from the soldiers, so there's no connection to them whatsoever, it's easy because you don't think of them as people. They're just, you know, things, you know, just moving on a board. And the fact that they, they died every single day for four years, except Christmas, you know, when they would run into barbed wire and get machine guns, you know, they're still doing cavalry charges <laughs> from the generals. Oh, cavalry charges, that's impressive. And bright uniforms. Well, that all changed. You know, and the same thing is going on today. As, as isolated as the monarchy was and the generals of the monarchy in World War I, and the reason they backed into it is exactly how isolated you know, the nation of government is in Washington, D.C. It's its own nation. They don't have a connection to the people. We're colonists to them. We're, we're subjects to serve them with an unlimited supply of funds uh, at which they dictate, or they just print money at will and expect us to use it. You know, it's, it's a very... It's a very bizarre world we're in right now. But what's the difference between World War One monarchies and the folks in Washington? I don't see any. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, I have a friend whose son is in the military, and um, mm-hmm. he points out that the that the leadership um, is picked by the president. Leadership of our U.S. military now, mm-hmm. which makes it fairly similar. To, to that situation of how you have leaders of the military whose mm-hmm. only qualification is that they happen to have some noble blood. Mm-hmm. And we've recreated that 
mm-hmm. by, by having leadership picked by popularity mm-hmm. with the president, not by their capabilities. Well, that's television. We have but, you that. know, television, television's done two things. One, it's, it's made presidential candidates have to look pretty, <laughs> at least not look like you know, some of the other people who have been in office for over the years. But the second thing television is, and we haven't had a world war since television. So TV came about in 1947. So what television did was bring the horrors of wars right into everybody's living room. Whereas in the old days, even World War I, people didn't see World War I until after it was over. They didn't see the newsreels and things, what was going on. It was all censored. So nobody knew what was really happening. So it was glorious and wonderful until Eric Maria Remarque's, you know, book, All Quiet on the Western Front, and until the movie came out. Um, but movies have changed warfare. People don't want to go. The 60s only happened because we had television, I think. The whole anti-draft movement was based on, on media. Media has done horrible things, but it's also saved us, I think, from world wars because people don't want to go. You can't read the Charge of the Light Brigade and have people sign up and get their saber and, uh, and you know, hop on their, their trusty steed and ride into you know, 6,000 Russian guns. They're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, if you see, like I say, if you see the actual video, not even description of, you know, of, of recruits dancing, you know, and and celebrating that they're going mm-hmm. off to war. Yeah. You know, they had this idea of, of, of glory. Well, um, I forgot who did it, but there was a, an incredible series uh, on World War One. And every time they had this, this, the Grim Reaper with a big scythe, you know, and uh, describing how it happens. Is that the series you're talking about? Or is this just one special? Yes, that was the one. That was That's the it. one. That's fabulous. That's the best World War I series I've ever seen. See, well, people forget World War I. The, the, what World War I caused was World War II. Because World War, World War II was, was an extension of World War I with unresolved issues. Same parties, same combatants. Same. The only difference was Mao and China. Uh, and I guess you had uh, the Russian Revolution during World War One, so you had the Stalin, you know, fighting World War Two, as opposed to a czar. But uh, not really well, much change. You have, you have to you have to be out of time, but the but you I know, know uh, okay. World War One created the Russian Revolution. Germany hmm. Germany created the Communist Revolution in Russia hmm. to um, to get Russia, the Russian army off the battlefield. So oh, it was, see, I think I've heard that, but I've forgotten that. That's very interesting. You seem to know a lot about this area. Have you studied Eastern Europe and Russia, or how do you know I so studied, much about that? I studied Russian history in college, and I and I've been there to both Ukraine and, and Russia. Interesting. As a as now a you tell me. and as a, and as, as a business teacher. Okay. Well, I, I need to. We need to pick your brain more about this. We need I mean, to do more I foreign to, policy stuff. I, I've heard, yeah, I've done so many different things. I have to prove it so people don't think I'm being George Santos. No, I believe you. I just, I, I just want to know what you can do so that we can talk about those things. But the fact that you know so much about Ukraine, yeah. considering, you know, my friend Peter Pry died of a COVID shot, I believe. And uh, we don't have uh, Claire Lopez on the show, although I'd love to get her back. You know, so we're missing a strong component in national security and foreign policy on the show that I'm trying to make up. Let me give you some Sun Tzu quotes, and we should probably end it for today. But Sun Tzu was a Chinese uh, warrior, philosopher, warlord a couple thousand years ago. I don't know if anybody's really sure. It could be a couple of different people. But he, he wrote a book called The Art of War, which I have read several times. It was one of the few books I've read a bunch of times. But here, here are some of his quotes from the book. He says, appear weak when you are strong and strong when you are weak. He says, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. He says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. 
If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. He says, let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night. When you move, fall like a thunderbolt. He says, supreme excellence consists of breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Here's my favorite one. All warfare is based on deception. Hence, when we are able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our forces, we must appear inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. And when far away, we must make them believe we are near. That, this is, this is the politics is the same thing, right? He says, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. He says, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors first go to war and then seek to win. I'll give you one more because this one's kind of cool. If your enemy is secure at all points, be prepared for him. If he is in superior strength, evade him. If your opponent is temperamental, seek to irritate him. Pretend to be weak that he may grow arrogant. If he is taking his ease, give him no rest. If his forces are united, separate them. If sovereign and subjects are in accord, put division between them. Attack him when he is unprepared. Appear where you are not expected. It's kind of my philosophy here at Action Radio. Yeah. <laughs> There's more. Even, even though it's very old, China uh-huh. has certainly not forgotten you know, its, own, its own military strategy. Oh, they practice this all the time. Yeah, they read it too. There was a, a great movie, um, uh, Michael Crichton's book. Um, I think it was I think it was called The Art of War, or whatever it was. The one um, with uh, Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. Do you remember that film? No. Oh, great film. They're quoting Sun Tzu all the time, and uh, Sean Connery plays the master, and Wesley Snipes is the student, Kohai and Senpai. And, uh, and Sean Connery's quoting Sun Tzu all through the film. It's a, it's a murder mystery detective story. It's great. I think it's called The Art of War. And it's about Japanese, you know, who consider business and war is pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Fascinating. On that note, this has been a great discussion. Thank you for staying the hour. I appreciate it. But uh, I'm sure we both have uh, – I've got to get to work on tomorrow's show. And uh, this, has been, this has been amazing. But, yeah, the, my book, uh, my, my article, feel free to share it everywhere. I'd be curious what uh, some of the Washington folks and all, all of your vast political connections think. But, uh, yeah, um, that's it. Your final word, and then we're out of here. Just, uh, I, it was great. Talk to you later. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, all right Jonathan Mosley. There we go. Jonathan Mosley, who's uh, done amazing things. Uh, I didn't know about the Ukraine thing. That was brand new. But uh, criminal defense attorney and uh, work with J6 folks, uh, and I don't know what he's working on now. We'll find out next week. But uh, it's been, it's, this has been a great hour. So my new writings uh, about our bills, about the stuff we do here, about our peaceful revolution, about the fact that you know, we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed, that's all at writeyourlaws.com. The show is at blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. My Substack articles, particularly the latest one, The Nation of Government, is gregpengelis.substack.com. We have a Give, Send, Go site, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. If you want to sponsor the show, get in touch with me, greg at writeyourlaws.com. Uh, I can make commercials. I can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, and uh, let's, uh, let's build this show into something absolutely huge, magnificent, and to bring the greatest freedom to the greatest number. And i got a couple more things to play for you, and we are done. So, Jonathan, you take care. I'm going to mute your line, and then the rest of you I will talk to tomorrow. 7 a.m. in the morning, we've got uh, Brianna Cannon, uh, with the government inquiry, 
And then we've got uh, Josie Kasi with the Latino Report. Then we've got a guest coming. I'm going to have to find out more about my guest, but I'll know that by tomorrow. So I'll talk to you all then. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.